0: Excited to see what we can do this weekend in Starkville. I don't think that the game is a 12 and a half point spread, or I don't think it should be a 12 and a half point spread. I think Auburn has a decent chance to come out there and maybe a little bit of fire under the interim coach. And yeah, very excited. Um, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Uh, we're going to see how much fire these kids have yeah, um, um, Cadillac's very excited to be the new yeah, coach or the show. interim coach rather and uh,
1: it should be good it should be good now
0: <clears throat> excuse me right. yeah under Cadillac hopefully these guys just play loose and there's you never want to say that there's nothing to play for but the, these guys have little to play for so I'm hoping they leave it all out on the field and I think Mississippi State's a good team to do that against. They're a decent team. They're not a great team. or um, SEC team that's been struggling at times this year but looked really good at times as well. So I'm hopeful that uh, Auburn comes out and maybe steals a win this weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I told uh, the Air Raid offense it's a little bit like um, – to me it's a little bit like the triple option in that the team that, that runs it knows that it's not going to be as talented typically as the teams it's going up against – but it is—it's uh, frustrating to play against because it is so different, and you can do so many different things with it. Uh, and and when you go into face an offense like that, it's—it just can be a little bit confusing. You know, the old saying is you never want to play a triple option team as the first game of the season or the last game of the season or any of them in between because it's just—it's so weird and different. And I think the air rate is a lot like that. But it's also these Mike Leach offenses. they're so hit or miss sometimes so i think it is very possible for auburn to go into starkville and get a win um but uh, you know i just the fact is the team is not going to change the team is what it is the players are still the same it's the the coach that has changed and it's is that enough for things to get significantly better
0: yeah and i you know the uh interim coach record in college football this season has been pretty good and Maybe a change in leadership is really what was necessary at this point in the season for these guys to be like, hey, let's let's come out here, maybe steal a game in Mississippi State, um, win against Texas A&M and Auburn, and then Western Kentucky in a few weeks. Uh, then we're bowl eligible, Absolutely. which we would be having a much different conversation right now.
1: Yeah, that's always the goal. I mean, you... I mean, that's the goal. It's not always the goal. That's the goal at this point in the season. You're looking to win your next three games. And, you know, you've got the Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa that nobody's going to expect you to win. But if you can get the momentum going, if you can get on a three game winning streak, your first one since the beginning of the year. uh, Well, actually, you didn't even have that, did you? Because that Penn State game was game number three. But if you can get that three game winning streak going under this new coach, you got a little momentum. Maybe you at least keep the Bama game competitive. You know, that's. And it sucks that that's kind of the goal right now, but that just is what it is. Auburn right. has not looked great. Um, but, I mean, obviously, first things first, you've got to beat Mississippi State.
0: Yeah, we we may be looking a little too far ahead to start talking <laughs> about bowl games. But, you know, it's it does start with this weekend. This is not a must-win game, but it would be a really good win.
1: I think if you lose this game, you've kind of accepted the fact you're going to have a losing season. There, yeah. There is no if you can't beat Mississippi State, then you can't beat Alabama. Yeah. Which means you're just not going to be able to, you know, you're not going to be able to get that sixth win. Yeah, you're wins. not going to be able to get that sixth win. And that, and that would hurt, you know, because these kids, I think these kids deserve it, man. These kids deserve better than they've gotten this season. They've,
0: it, they've been through some stuff this yeah, season, to put it lightly. Yeah, have.
1: Well, before we get to our first break, we do this each and every day. Let's get to our birthdays and sports.
2: It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports.
1: Birthdays in Sports presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One on Gage Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you out with all of your banking needs. All right, time for your November 4th birthdays. First up, turning 34 today, is Dez Bryant, former NFL wide receiver, Played three years of college football at Oklahoma State. He was the first-team All Big 12 in 2008, and a consensus All-American as well that year. He drafted 24th overall by the Cowboys in 2009. Also played for the Saints, Raven, Saints and Ravens. Excuse me. He was the PFWA All-Rookie Team in 2010, All-Pro in 2014. He's a three-time Pro Bowler and led the NFL in receiving touchdowns in 2014. Dez Bryant was so good
0: for that period. And then it seems like, was it injuries or maybe like off-the-field drama? I think injuries kind of held him back a little. I remember him missing some time. But yeah, he was an absolute ball hawk for the Cowboys.
1: He was so, so good for that time. And and it just, unfortunately, was far too short. But very good. Everybody, throw up the X. (laughs) Throw up the X. Turning 40 today is Devin Hester. He's a former NFL return specialist and wide receiver. He played three years of college football at Miami and was drafted in the second round of the 2006 NFL draft by the Bears with a 57th overall pick. He also played for the Falcons, Ravens, and Seahawks. He's a three-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Pro Bowler, two-time NFL kickoff return yardage leader, three-time NFL Alumni Special Teams Player of the Year, and is a member of the NFL 2000s and 2010s all-decade team. If he's not the greatest returner of all time, is I guess he's second, you know. If people if people want to make the argument for Deion Sanders, then maybe, but uh, Devin Hester did break all of Deion Sanders' return records. So it's yeah. very possible that Devin Hester is the greatest return man of all time.
0: When you think of returning kicks, you think of Devin Hester. For absolutely. Sure. Turning 32 today,
1: Mr. Kick Six himself, Chris Davis former NFL and Auburn cornerback and return specialist. He played four years of college football at Auburn. He was a BCS national champion in 2010. He was an all American as a returner in 2013. He was second team all sec in 2013 as a corner. He returned the kick six against Alabama signed as an undrafted free agent with the chargers after the 2014 draft. He also played for the 49ers and the Birmingham Iron of the AAF. So happy birthday to Chris Davis, turning 32. I met him at the Iron Bowl two years ago. Wow, he was a pretty, pretty nice guy. Uh, and you know, it kind of—I, you know—I remember being at the Kick Six. That's one of my uh, favorite memories for, from a sports perspective. So a lot of fun uh, meeting Chris Davis and talking to him.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a guy that provided Auburn with probably one of the best memories. Um, in a lot of fans eyes and yeah i would have liked to see him probably play a little bit more in the nfl but you know we will always have the memory of the kick six and we will always have chris davis to thank for that i remember watching people storm the field for the first time and
1: that was just the most wild thing ever because i'd never seen anything like it yeah it's yeah all right moving (laughs) moving along tyrese Maxey turns 22 today is an NBA guard for the Philadelphia 76ers, was Texas Mr. Basketball his senior year of high school, played one year of college basketball at Kentucky. He was a member of the All-SEC freshman team, second team All-SEC. He was drafted 21st overall by the 76ers in the 2020 NBA draft and became the starting point guard after Ben Simmons refused to play.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't. um, I don't read these beforehand. You wrote this. I did. That's very funny. (laughs) Yeah, and pretty true. And if not for Ben Simmons, maybe Tyrese Maxey isn't the player he is today. He's Mm. been stellar at worst for Philly. He's been great in a lot of their games. Absolutely.
1: Last but not least, Eric Paschal turns 26 today. He's a power forward for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He played one year of basketball at Fordham and three at Villanova. He was the Atlantic 10 Rookie of the Year in 2015. He's a member of the All-Big East First Team in 2019. He was an NCAA champion in 2018 and was drafted in the second round of the 2019 NBA draft by the Warriors at 41st overall. He has also played with the Jazz and is now with the Timberwolves. He was a member of the All-Rookie Team in 2019. Twenty. So those are our birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Pretty good list of birthdays,
0: I think. Yeah, yeah. Pascal was a member of one of those really good Villanova teams, um, kind of dominated the yeah. late 2010s. Stellar, stellar player, Absolutely. especially at the college level.
1: Well. We are going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, James from Montgomery joins us on the Auburn Bank phone line. You are listening to Sports Call.
2: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call
3: on Tiger
1: 95.9. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at AuburnBank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, Give us a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 Auburn Bank is proud to be the sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. We are going to go directly to that Sports Call phone line right now. And Zeus, who is joining us?
2: James from Montgomery.
1: Let's push that up a little bit. James from
2: Montgomery.
1: There it is. James from Montgomery joins us now on the Auburn Bank phone line. James, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle, buddy. What's on your mind today?
2: Well, I
3: am actually excited to see what Cadillac Williams is actually going to bring to the uh, football program uh, this coming up weekend. And I know he's the Inlet head coach, but I was looking at the history of coaches that we had in the past and with Cadillac Williams being the Inlet head coach, we haven't had an Inlet head coach since 1929 in Auburn football program history.
1: Well, not that's not exactly true. um I remember Bill Oliver was the interim head coach back in '98 or '99. I want to say uh, is when he took over for a little while. But it has been since then that Auburn has had an interim head coach, unless you count Kevin Steele for the bowl game last year, but um, or two years ago now, I suppose. But uh, you're absolutely right, James. Cadillac like Williams has a lot of people excited. Uh, I, I think that it's a nice change of pace, and uh, a lot of people are looking forward to see what he can do on Saturday.
3: Yeah, so I think with his uh with his ties to the to the Auburn football program and he played at Auburn, he's a former Auburn student, so he'll bring a lot of um winning mentality to the Auburn program and I think with these six wins that we have under our belt, I mean these are gonna be really easy to win as well. So we played Mississippi state, so I think he'll be like a sixty percent chance or seventy percent chance favorite in our favor to win at home Uh, I mean on the road and start Vegas against Mississippi State as well
1: yeah I think Auburn is currently an underdog by 12 points maybe 12 and a half so the national pundits do not agree with you James but I'm with you I think Auburn has a chance to win this game uh, and hopefully Cadillac Williams can impress us all a little bit what else is on your mind today
3: well um, I was listening to Auburn and Tuskegee and they actually did pull out a big win uh, last night and I wish them the best of luck on uh, next week's game when they actually play their first uh, season opener against Sam Houston.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, preseason scrimmage or preseason exhibition game against Tuskegee last night. The girls pulled it out uh, 85-59, to I believe, was the final score in that game. So, a great showing from the ladies. Uh, it. Uh, had three had three people score in the uh, double digits, I believe, and a couple of double-doubles through there. Sydney Shaw, the freshman, uh, got the start at point guard, and she racked up uh, double-digit points, had seven assists as well. So a good start to the Auburn women's basketball season, and hopefully they can uh, uh, push that momentum forward into uh, uh, the start of the season on Monday.
3: Yeah, because I think with Houston... Um, they're a really good team they're a strong team to actually play against Auburn so I think Auburn I don't know have we ever played against him Houston so I think this will be like our first time ever meeting up with them
1: Uh, you know I'm not sure I'll look that up for you James but uh Yeah, uh, Sam Houston is a school you've heard of. Everybody's heard of Sam Houston. Not the biggest school, but uh, a school with a lot of history, and they're a a basketball school for sure, so uh, a strong history. It should be a nice way to start the season if Auburn can pull out a win over them.
3: Yeah, and then with uh, Georgia and Tennessee, I think Tennessee is going to do a big upset against Georgia, so I think that game... It's going to be very, very hard for Georgia to actually, you know, knock Tennessee off because they're the number one seed in the SEC uh, ranking. So I think Tennessee will come out on top. So this game will be a 38 to 24 victory with the Tennessee
1: Volunteers
3: actually winning on the road in Georgia.
1: Wow, okay. So you think the Tennessee Volunteers pull it off in Athens. That's going to be certainly a game. We'll talk about that more uh, in the third hour, I'm sure, as we look to this slate of college football. That is definitely the biggest game on the weekend. So you think that Tennessee is going to be able to overcome that vaunted Georgia defense?
3: Yes, that's why, because, I mean, they do have a strong offense. On Tennessee side, and then on the defensive side of Tennessee, their defense is very, very strong. Because I could, uh, I could actually see how they played last week when they played against—I think was it Alabama—they played against.
1: Um, I'm not sure. Wait, that was
0: a couple weeks
1: ago. Yeah, that, they played. They Tennessee played Alabama a couple of weeks ago and ended up beating them. Um, but yeah, it, it, a really good showing from uh, both sides of the ball for them as well.
3: Yeah, and then with Alabama playing LSU, I had LSU winning. It will be a fifty-six to twenty-six victory Ooh. against uh, the losing tie. So I think they're going to lose that game on the road in Death Valley because I mean the name says it all. Nobody, no, no team has ever won in LSU uh, Death Valley. So it, well, it-, it says the. It says the name right there on the stadium as well, so that's where, you know, um, that's where a lot of, um, I think their motto is, that's where a lot of college football teams actually go up there to to actually, you know, pass away.
1: Yeah, it it is known as Death Valley for a reason. One of the tougher places in all of college football to play, Um, but yeah, you know, teams have won up there before. I, in fact, I believe LSU's already lost a game or two in Death Valley so far this season. But Auburn went up there and won last year. So it is possible to win in Death Valley. But uh, So you think a lot of this LSU defense, you think they're going to be able to hang 56 on Alabama?
3: Yes, as well, because I, I really do want to see Alabama uh, come out with the loss so they could, you know, just... Keep that losing streak going all the way up to the Iron Bowl, so I will be there in person in the Iron Bowl. So I would probably see uh, when that time actually comes available. I will actually see Auburn actually winning against Alabama.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be awesome to win in uh, Tuscaloosa this year. And uh, our host JJ actually just reached out to us, Sam Houston. And Auburn women's basketball have played two times Auburn is 2-0 and and the last time they played was in 2008 so it has been a while
3: yeah so I think with that same Houston team that Auburn is actually gonna face on Monday I think Auburn would come out with a 86 to 26 victory on uh, Sam Houston as well
0: at home as that's, well. Wow that's some lockdown defense on the Auburn side of the ball huh yeah, no kidding
3: yeah, because I, um, I looked at their schedule and the only team on their, uh, 2022 schedule season for this year that jumps out at me would be Auburn and Alabama State. Cause I remember we actually beat Alabama State and it was a really good, good team that, uh, that Alabama State actually had at one point in time. But this time, uh, this would be like, I think this will be like, in the Auburn-Alabama State uh, book, I think this will be like chapter 10 or 11, probably 10. So I think this one will be a 90. uh, The score will be 91 to 26.
1: Man, that's that's a pretty lopsided basketball game. If someone can hold somebody down to 26 points, uh, I'd be really impressed with that, James. But th- does TCU on their schedule? Texas Tech. They've got a couple of other Power Five Power Five teams on their basketball schedule.
3: Um, I think I looked at their schedule, and I think TCU and Auburn. Uh, they're not in the same conference as well because TCU is a smaller school. So I think TCU. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. So I just have to look on their schedule and see if we play TCU, but I'm not quite sure on that well, one as well.
1: Auburn does not play TCU, but Sam Houston does. But that's okay. Uh, what else do you have on your mind today?
3: Well, I'm actually looking at, on Sunday, I'm looking at some uh, college football games as well and uh, seeing if some teams are actually going to you know, step up and actually make it to the playoff spot as well. And then next week, on the 13th, I'm watching a classic matchup of the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. One of the best rivalries in NFL history. This uh history has been going on for years since Super Bowl one. And I think with Dak Prescott, I think he's gonna uh you know, I think he's gonna come out with a big win uh on the road in um and Green Bay. So they go up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. So this is going to be a classic matchup and I'm just hoping to see if we're going to make that playoff push that we're hoping to get.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, the Cowboys and the Packers two storied franchises. But James, the Packers have been struggling a little bit this year, especially on offense. Uh, I looked I'd look to Micah Parsons to have a, a big game in that one.
3: Yeah, so Michael Parsons, he's going to have um, a historic record, uh, season. So I think he's already, uh, passed some of the, uh, former Cowboys, uh, record, uh, rushing yards. So I think he's gonna, um, do it as well. So last week he actually passed Walter Payton's all time leading rushing record, uh, since that year, since, uh, Walter Payton actually held that, uh, that season. Rushing record for a long time as well.
1: Well, uh, buddy, Micah Parsons does not run the football. He's a defensive player, uh, so oh, okay. he he may he may have broken some records, but he didn't break anything set by uh, Barry Sanders.
3: Okay, okay. So, so I think he would uh, break a couple of uh, records of, if I'm uh, sure of it. So I think with with Dallas, I'll probably see them actually being like in the first or second round of the playoffs as well.
1: Yeah, Dallas certainly uh, looks to be leading the NFC East right now and uh, is screaming towards a playoff spot. So uh, anything else on your mind today?
3: Um, I don't have anything else. Um, I'm like, you know, about the World Series, I'm very disappointed in the Philadelphia Phillies. But I think the Phillies might come back tomorrow and win the World Series and just uh, close it out for, for uh, the 2022
1: season as well. Well, they, they can't close it out tomorrow, but they can close it out uh, in the game after if they win tomorrow. So uh, it is a 3-2 series lead for the Astros. The Phillies have been no hit, and then they put up uh, only two runs in their next game, and they are down three games to two in that World Series.
3: Yes, yeah, as well. And then I've been hearing a lot about Kyrie Irving in the NBA uh, world and seeing what, what is his deal? I mean, they're trying to like make him stay with the Brooklyn Nets or is he going to get traded as
1: well? Well, uh, not really sure what the outcome of this Kyrie Irving saga is going to be. There's uh, a lot of things that play there, not just basketball. Unfortunately, it's a lot of stuff off the court that, uh, nobody really wants to deal with, I'm afraid. So, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the Kyrie Irving stuff, uh, as we get closer to, uh, I I guess an an ending to this but uh, I can say with absolute certainty that I have no idea what's going to happen right now
3: yeah so with all these uh, college football games I'm actually going to be watching uh, and I'm going to be watching uh, Navy and seeing if they're going to win and um, probably on December the 8th I'm going to be watching the biggest game in college football uh, program history the Army-Navy game and I have Army beating Navy 28 to 26
1: yeah those service academies going after each other always a fun game to watch too Uh, I believe those are both still two triple option teams I know there's one service academy that uh, runs a more of a spread look now but uh, always fun to watch Army and Navy get after each other so hopefully uh, that game will be pretty good as well
3: yes as well and then I hope I see you all guys in Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl as well All
1: right, if we are there we'll see you we'll look for you have a good day James all
3: right. Sounds good
1: on Wargle. Talk cool. to you all tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. Well, uh, on Monday because I mean, it's Friday. On Monday. <laughs> you're, right. you're fine. All right. Thanks for the call, James. That was James from Montgomery on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are going to take our next commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the Mississippi State Bulldogs. You're listening to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9.
2: easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn now back to more sports call with jj jackson and the guys
1: welcome back it's a beautiful day here in auburn alabama brant daughtry and drew Bahenna, drew Behenna, excuse me I want to get your name right, man. Joining you, and now, entering the studio for the first time in I don't know how long,
4: Mr. Christian Page, former Sports Call host. Christian, how you doing, man? I'm good. It has been a while. I think because you, the clear, or the the specific phrase there, in the studio, because I joined the guys in Mobile for the Senior Bowl earlier this year, but technically I was not in the studio, yeah. so it had I didn't been... get invited to that, so. Well, <laughs> there's always next year. I was in but... here. I That's was in right. here, board-offing yeah. the show. That's right, right. So, uh, but yeah, it's good to be back, and uh, you know, uh, some news broke earlier this week, so uh, you know, I come yeah. on, uh, n- definitely not a slow news week, I'll put it that no, way. No, not at all. It's been it's been an entertaining week. It's been,
1: maybe not the, the most active I've ever seen this show be, but certainly from a uh, from a
4: speculation perspective, it's been pretty rampant on this show. Oh, absolutely. And it was funny, one of y'all talked about it uh, right when the show kicked off, it's, like, okay, you know, Brian Harsin was fired. Carnell Williams named interim coach. It's like, oh, yeah, there is a game this weekend. It's like we're yeah. not necessarily, you know, p- the season's not over. There's a handful of games left and still a uh, decent enough to play for. Um, so, it is funny how, the, you know, the news breaks maybe a little more or a little before than we all expected. But, mm-hmm. you know, rally behind those guys and, you know, put the pads on for a few yeah. more weeks. If, if, if nothing else, I mean,
1: these kids come out here. They work hard. They deserve support in some way, even if – the team is not doing
4: well. Those kids are still out there working hard, and they deserve support from the fans. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and they did the right thing, you know, whether it was going to be Carnell Williams or uh, Zach Etheridge. You know, it's just – finding that true Auburn guy to help you know, bring momentum back to this fan base and just getting those players to rally around and finish the season and hopefully create some momentum for this offseason hang on to a few more guys whether on the roster or in the recruiting process absolutely well we are going to head back to our Auburn Bank phone line who is joining us now
1: Wardam Steve retired Wardam Steve joins us on the Auburn Bank phone live Steve how are you there goes Davis there he goes there
5: he goes, guys. He's going to run it all the way back, and holy cow. Auburn just won the football game. They're not going to keep off the field tonight, are they?
1: Absolutely not. I tell you what, Steve, I've seen it a 100 times. It doesn't get old.
5: I was there with my daughter, Section 43 in the north end zone. He was coming straight at us. And I said, oh, my gosh. And it was so uh, it was so sudden. Uh, everybody around us for a minute. We, we just kind of looked at each other and said, hey, I think we just won the football game.
1: Steve, I had a very similar reaction. I was also sitting in the north end zone, and I remember thinking, "Surely you can't win a game like that," but obviously you can.
5: Yeah, everybody started going. Yeah, we just won. So uh, glad to hear his birthday was today. Uh, Do you guys uh, ever keep in touch with uh, Chris? See what he's doing?
1: Uh, I have not. I was not a part of the show um, during those during those years. I did meet Chris Davis. Um, at the Iron Bowl in 2019 He was a pretty nice guy I got my picture with him uh, But that's, that's the only interaction I have ever had with Chris Davis I don't want to speak for everybody else in the studio
5: Okay, sure And uh, my daughter and I did go on down to the field uh, After the game Oh yeah, uh, me was too it was, uh, it was mayhem, so to speak uh, Christian Page, welcome back, man it's Good to hear your voice
4: Good to hear from you, Steve How are you?
5: Okay, uh, doing good uh, You know, guys I'm actually looking forward to watching an the football game tomorrow uh, before all this happened uh, Monday, I was just you know okay um, I'll watch it maybe a little bit and see you know what comes up. I actually have some hope that uh, uh, this team um, really has a realistic chance of uh, winning. And uh, I heard the uh, Tiger Talk last night with uh, Cadillac on there, and um, you know I, I got I man I, I really became really enthusiastic when he said uh, the players have been playing their butts off uh, the whole week in their practice, and he said we're going to come out. I think his words were, they're going to come out lit up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people are like that. They're, it's kind of a, a level of apathy was starting to set in with Brian Harson, but a, a change in leadership. Cadillac Williams is a name that every Auburn fan knows and every Auburn fan loves him. So uh, I, even if the team is not, the, even if the players aren't changing, there's certainly a different air uh, and a, a different level of excitement around this game on Saturday.
5: Well, that's what I'm reading on 247 Sports, uh, that the, the the players just seem... More enthusiastic uh, at practice this week, and more energized. And uh, I, again, you know, I'm actually looking forward to watching the game. Uh, previously, I would, you know, I felt like poking my eyes out of times, You know, uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Now, the concern for me is not so much about Mississippi State's uh, running game, uh, but What troubles me is that they are tied in the SEC for first place in fourth interceptions. I did not know that.
1: Yeah, they've got a guy who, the reason they have that is they have a corner who leads the leads the country in interceptions. They've got a guy with five picks on the season, so he's the type of guy you game plan to throw away from. And uh, if Auburn does throw a little bit tomorrow, I doubt they're going to throw his way very many times.
5: Yeah, well, you know, what concerns me is, you know, Ashford had really improved. Uh, I mean, I think that was probably his best game. 73%, I think, completion he had uh, this past year. By,
1: by far his best years. game, yeah.
5: But, however, this is not at home. And he's performed less than adequately uh, on the road. Right, guys?
1: Well, I think part of that is the competition he's faced on the road. At home, he's faced LSU, who's been pretty mediocre. He's faced uh, the, the paycheck game teams. He's faced... Uh, Missouri on the road, he's had to play against the likes of Georgia and and teams like or teams certainly better than the teams he's faced at home. This is a team that is a good defense, but they're not as good as the teams that he has seen in his past road trips. So it might have something to do with being at home, but we'll see.
5: So what's your take, guys? I mean, what's your sense of you know what what, what will this team have, need to do uh, that they maybe just haven't done well enough uh, to pull out a win?
1: I, I hate to break it down this simply, but I mean, blocking and tackling is what it comes down to. That's where Auburn has really struggled the most is just the fundamental stuff with it. When you're facing an air raid offense, they want to throw it short and then get yards after the catch. Everything is timing. Everything is quick. So you've got to be able to rally and come up and make tackles on athletes in open space. And frankly, that's something that Auburn has not done well this season. And you've got to hope that with this coaching change, something changes in the way you're preparing defensively.
5: And that to me is, is whats to me, is such a head-scratcher because, you know, these are basically most of these players that were defense were here last year, and I, I, I can't figure out how do they lose, you know, the, the memory for how to tackle, especially people like Derek Hall. Old I've seen people go past them, and they're taking bad angles. Guy, I mean, uh, To me, it's unexplainable, but what does explain uh, that kind of poor performance from last year?
1: Well, I think part of it with Owen Papo is he just hasn't been the same since he got injured last season. He's been a little bit slower. I think the people who are missing the most tackles uh, are the linebackers. And, you know, Cam Riley has had a couple of bad games. Wesley Steiner, I know I've beat the drum for Wesley Steiner. I still think he's got potential as a really, really good football player. But the fact is, he just can't wrap up. He just hasn't wrapped up well. He's... I think well, I think Wesley's overthinking, Christian. You're you're nodding along. I think he's thinking too much rather than going up and playing football, and
4: and that's taking away from his physicality a little bit. Yeah, I believe he seems like he's always there, but whether that you know that's that's at the uh, the first level of tackling or whatever, but it seems like he he's been kind of the uh, the victim, I guess so to speak, in and losing a lot of tackles.
5: Well, is that more coaching?
4: Eh, it's, some of it is
1: some of it's a player's personal mentality and in, it would be on totally on Wesley if we weren't seeing it from the rest of the team I think
5: okay well I'm hoping that Carnell uh, has gotten all their attention and he's motivated them uh, we we'll, we'll, we'll find out uh, I haven't seen the national consensus picks yet um, do you know what the tally is how many people are presume by picking us
1: I have not seen any panel or anything I think Vegas has Mississippi state as a 12 and a half point favorite right now
5: I thought it was thirteen and a half. It might Go be down. thirteen and a half. Okay, uh, yeah, two point seven usually gives you know a national tally of all the sports wires, you know, on their pigs. I haven't seen them yet. All right, so uh, moving on, guys. Uh, I know the uh, women's well, basketball team had an exhibition game. Uh, How did they come out?
1: They looked pretty good. They won 85-59 uh, to 59 against uh, Tuskegee, so they ended up looking pretty good. Had three girls score in the double digits. I think Auburn women's basketball is on the way up. I like Johnny Harris a lot.
5: Well, was that, how come, because of the opponent or because of us?
1: Well, I, I wasn't there. Um, just based on what I've heard, Auburn looks good, but also they overmatched the opponent a little bit. So we'll see how things go. Um, you've got a lot of freshmen that are going to be starting for this team and going to get regular playing time. So it's going to take a little while to see how good this women's team can be. But I think the trajectory is on the way up, even if the team is not going, may not compete for the SEC this year.
0: Yeah, and the building blocks were there last year. If you remember that win against Tennessee, um, that was a huge win for the program. And yeah, the freshmen coming in look pretty good. I'm looking at the stat sheet from last night right now. Um, I think we're going to see more of the same out of Aicha Koulibaly this year. She was the clear leader last year and I expect that to continue. Um, Honestly, Scott Grayson had her moments last year where she looked a little shaky, but she was still a core part of the team. She put up 17 and actually led the team last night. So if her especially three ball starts falling, I think that we got a good core of leaders and a couple of good young players coming in as well. Well, moving
5: over to the mid-side guys, are we going to have enough players uh, to, to have a team uh, come Monday against George Mason? I'll be down here. Uh, center Johnny Broom uh, is dealing with a sore ankle. is in a boot.
1: Yeah, Johnny Broom think- is in a boot right now. Um, hopefully nothing serious. He played through an injury uh, in that exhibition game but, uh, and was a little bit slowed down. But uh, he seems to be okay. Uh, I think long-term he'll be okay. I think Auburn is planning to go 10 or 11 deep uh, once they're fully healthy. But right now they might be down a center. I would look for Stretch bola to get more minutes, maybe play uh, one of your other fours at that five spot.
5: Well, we're not, we're not through here. Alan Flanagan says has a stomach bug, and Jalen Harper is out with the flu.
1: Well, I hadn't read that about Flanagan, but that would be new. But luckily, uh, stomach bugs don't usually take too long to get over, and I don't think Jalen Harper was going to be a part of this regular rotation anyway.
5: And then uh, Chance Westry is still out, right?
1: Yeah, he's going to be out for this game. He's probably he might be out for game two as well, but I expect him back pretty soon.
5: So, guys, what do you know about George Mason? I mean, uh, are they even you know in, in the same you know uh, arena with us or uh, or not?
1: I, I don't know anything about George Mason's basketball team. I, I imagine that they're a paycheck game. Uh, I don't expect Auburn to have much trouble with them. I think that Auburn will be able to put the walk-ons in in the, in the final couple of minutes. So uh, I don't think it's I don't think George Mason's going to put up much of a fight. But you know, obviously, you got to go out there and make it happen.
5: Right, and there are two areas that uh, really uh, concern me. Uh, I, I saw the uh, on YouTube uh, Andy Burcham and Brad Law. Uh, I couldn't see the play, of course. And uh, when I saw the stats, I said, wow, this is horrendous. Free throws, guys, uh, are just uh,
1: abysmal. Well, let me, let me, let me uh, ease your fears about those free throws a little bit. The reason the free throws look so bad is because Jani Broome himself missed a few. Uh, and typically those taller guys, he was the only guy who missed more than, or excuse me, he was one of two guys who missed more than one free throw. The other guy who missed more than one was KD Johnson. He went six of eight. So, Jani Broom is a weak free throw shooter, um, and hopefully he can get better throughout the season, but as a whole, the team seems to be pretty good.
5: All right, then the other area that concerns me and trouble me, because we need to improve in this area, well, because that's probably what killed us in the, in the playoffs last last year, uh, three Three-point shot tips were horrendous. I think it was less than thirty percent, weren't they?
1: Yeah, I think it was about twenty-five percent, something like that. Yeah, it's, what's going on, guys? Well, if you listen to the people who were in attendance, it seemed like every shot was just going a little bit long. Uh, and what that says to me is that guys had their adrenaline adrenaline juiced up a little bit. They weren't they weren't used to playing in front of crowds. It's the first time this team has played in front of a crowd. Since uh, since the NCAA tournament last year, and it looks like their adrenaline was a little bit high. Uh, You'll be happy to know K.D. Johnson had a bad shooting first half and in the second half he adjusted. I don't think this team is going to be as reliant on the three point shot as they have been in the past. I think that these guards are going to be better at getting to the rim. You've got guys underneath that are reliable scorers from in close uh, and, and in ways that. Walker Kessler as good as he was he was limited offensively these guys are not limited in the same ways so I think that Auburn is going to be fine uh, from a scoring perspective because like you said they, they had a bad shooting day but they still were able to put up 85 points
5: yeah you know I'm trying to recall maybe incorrectly I thought that's how we ended up really getting beat badly by Miami in the, uh, in the playoffs because they kept making three point shots and we were just missing left and right
1: yeah, I mean, that was the problem down the stretch for Auburn is they couldn't get that three ball to fall and people adjusted to that pick and roll with Wendell Green and Walker Kessler. That seemed to be what Auburn would always go to if, uh, if that three ball wasn't falling as well and uh, people adjusted to it and Auburn wasn't able to get things going offensively and Miami was hot at the time. So yeah, Auburn is going to do better as a three-point shooting team than what they did on, uh, on the, that exhibition game. But hopefully moving forward, it does get a little bit better.
5: And finally, guys, I know you mentioned his name earlier, uh, and I don't like to, to mix you know, politics on this show because it's not what it's about. However, I thought it was important to mention, you mentioned earlier, uh, Kyrie Irving. I saw he was suspended. Yeah, uh, uh, a
1: minimum, of five, five five. A minimum five of five games. A minimum of five games.
5: Uh, for apparently, you know, I'm believing some conspiracy uh, crap uh, they were anti-Semitic. You know that, right?
1: Yeah, there was um, what I believe happened is on Twitter he sh- he promoted a documentary on uh, that's on an Amazon streaming platform that uh, apparently contains some anti-Semitic views. I'm not going to comment on that because I have not watched the documentary. Uh, I know that a lot of people are pretty upset about it, um, which makes me think that there's legitimacy to it. But uh, yeah, Kyrie yeah, Irving some, is.
5: I saw some clips, some snips of it, and it's uh, I said, "Wow, it, doesn't he belong to the uh, Flat Earth Society uh, believers?"
1: Uh, Kyrie Irving has done a lot of questionable things.
5: Gosh, Amati, I guess making money doesn't make you smart, does it?
1: No, not at all. He's a Uh, very good basketball player. That's about all I trust him with, honestly.
5: Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, And for him to be, uh, I mean, okay. Uh, Of course, you know, uh, uh, Bruce Pearl is a Jewish heritage, and uh, uh, our new AD Cohen, he's a Jewish heritage, right?
1: Yes, I think so.
5: Okay. Uh, Well, I'm glad to see uh, that we have some diversity. Uh, you're a coaching stand. Finally, guys, the Phillies tried to make a comeback and they couldn't do it. Do you see them uh, be able to uh, make a comeback tomorrow night, or do you think it's over?
0: Um, it's if they win tomorrow, it's still probably going to be in the Astros' favor, given that um, both games are back in Houston now. Um, they have a chance, though. If the, we see, we saw what happened with the Phillies when their bats were going, and then we saw what happened when they got shut out and they literally didn't get a single hit so it it's more of a question of which Phillies team is going to show up and are they going to be able to hit the astros pitching um other than game one and the game where they hit five home runs the astros pitching has been pretty lights out
5: seven nothing they can barely eke out two wins uh two runs last
0: night yeah i mean to be fair to the the astros weren't hitting the ball that well either uh the Issue with the Phillies last night I was watching most of the game Seemed to be leaving runners on base They were getting a lot of two out hits or walks Getting runners on late in the inning And just not being able to convert those into runs Alright well finally
5: guys uh, I didn't know the Philadelphia Eagles were this good Uh, They're 8-0 And I read that this is the first time they've been 8-0 In the entire history of their franchise Did you know that?
1: yeah i did know i did uh see that earlier i knew the eagles were undefeated i didn't know about their history but yeah the the eagles have been a lot of fun to watch this year they're really good a.j brown uh has become a top target uh in the in the nfl and jalen hurts is just absolutely balling out right now he looks really good
5: but i no i mean and phil def's been around for a while isn't that kind of a sad commentary about that franchise that says this is the first time they've ever gone eight
1: zero. I don't think so. I mean, they've won Super Bowls before in the past. They're a really proud franchise. They're good at football. Uh, that's just get, getting through half your season uh, in through most of the NFL. Going through half your season without taking a loss is pretty impressive in that league.
5: Well, you know, I appreciate you educating me. I just I'm, I'm going to look it up. Uh, I wonder how rare or how common is it to go eight zero? You know, in the it's, NFL, it's uh,
1: not super common. It's a big deal if you can get this deep into the season without getting a, without being a, without losing a game. Excuse me.
5: Okay, so guys, uh, we've got... Uh, about three minutes left in us. the hour, Steve. Uh, I hope you guys uh, are going to be uh, you know excited. I, I'm really excited uh, about uh, the game. Uh, and, and I just feel hopeful more now about uh, Auburn football than I have uh, since uh, probably the first game of the season. So with that said, guys, I hope you have a relaxing and uh, safe weekend. And uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing your comments about uh, our game on Monday. Hey, Christian, welcome back, man. It's good to hear you again. And, Drew, so I didn't mean to keep your name out, sir.
0: No, no problem, Steve.
5: All right, guys, that's it. I'm out. I don't have anything more to ramble about. So until next time, War Damn Eagle, guys.
0: War Eagle. All right,
1: War Eagle. That is retired War Damn Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. A little bit of breaking news here as we head into the end of the first hour. Quarterback T.J. Finley will not be traveling to Starkville. He is not with the team. Reports broke earlier a little bit today that he is looking at transferring, is not officially in the portal yet. So looks like Auburn will be without one of its
4: quarterbacks that has a start this season. I guess one way to look at this, and I'm just going to play a hypothetical, if he does end up ultimately transferring. So I don't know his graduation trajectory right now, but if he were to transfer out of Auburn, that would mean he would have to sit out the next yeah. year at the next school, correct? Un- unless he goes down
1: a level, or okay. if he gets th- his degree beforehand.
0: I thought that since a coach had been fired, um, you get the uh, immediate eligibility. Is, that, is I,
1: does that apply if you've already transferred? I don't know. Yeah, don't I'll know. look
0: into that in just a second.
1: Okay, but, we'll we'll get that information for you. But I, man, now you have to start. I guess treating Robbie Ashford with a little bit of kid gloves because I guess the backup now is holding Gerner.
4: Yeah. Yeah, officially, you know, they've kind of flirted with the idea of him coming in games and being that backup. But yeah, that's interesting. You know, how does the game change? How does the game plan change? With yeah. you know, I, I was looking at a statistic today, and I forget the the uh, Twitter account that posted it, but Auburn's one of the top scrambling rated teams. I say top. They do it the most in the conference. Right. And so you may have to limit that down just a little bit to kind of keep those guys healthy, keep Ashford uh, healthy, because, I mean, you don't want to ruin a situation to throw Holden Gurner in uh, Tuscaloosa the last game of the year because you do not want to ruin that mentality of a very talented freshman quarterback. Absolutely. I, I like Holden
1: Gurner a lot. So uh, Connor O'Gara reporting on it now. He Finley has only played in four games this year, so he will be eligible to redshirt for this season if he does choose to transfer he will have three years of eligibility remaining.
0: Next, so. Hendon Hooker, 25-year-old quarterback.
1: <laughs> That's right. Hey, man, it worked out for Hooker, didn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: so that we'll talk more about that game in hour number two, I'm sure, the Georgia and Tennessee game. But that will do it for hour number one. One hour is in the books. You're listening to Sports Call here on The Tiger 95.9.
2: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour
1: number two of Sports Call getting started right now. Brant Daughtry, Christian Page, Drew Behenna. live. Perfect. From our studios here on South College Street. Guys, Auburn plays a football game tomorrow, and there's a little bit of drama surrounding it. If you missed our end of the first hour, TJ Finley is not traveling with the team. Reports broke earlier today that uh, his parents were apparently not happy with the way the Harson firing was handled uh, and are not happy with – well, in T. J., and TJ Finley's father has already made it very clear that he is unhappy with the way that Harson handled the quarterback rotation. So uh, it looks as though TJ Finley will not be traveling to Starkville and uh, is looking to enter the transfer portal, uh, and we've already established – this changes the way you have to call this game, because now Robbie Ashford, who is such a great running
4: threat, if he gets hurt, now you're down to true freshman uh, holding Garner. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely are, and um, it's interesting with the Finley situation, not to go down the personal deep dive, but... Seems like there's been a little bit of a theme there, Yeah. Um, just not to throw complete shade on the, the, I guess, the temporary Auburn coaching staff, but, you know, Robbie Ashford's been the guy for a while now, but like you said, you got to keep him protected in your game plan here, and knowing Carnell Williams and, of course, his playing background, you know he wants to establish the run the football, Absolutely. which Auburn has been doing a better job of as mm-hmm. in the past couple games, so you, you want to see a heavy dosage of tank, and we saw at least last game, I know, you know, the the play calling will, will uh, change up just a little bit he's getting a lot more targets too uh in the backfield as well so you're probably going to see just some quick short passes Mm -hmm. i mean in a sense i'm not saying go five wide like mississippi state does but maybe think a little bit about their playbook just hey two-step drop get the ball out quick take the pressure off your quarterback and just get in a rhythm because you saw that in that arkansas game i know there weren't too many great drives for auburn but when they had some rhythm and kind of like a, a pseudo hurry up no huddle offense they were putting some some pretty decent drives together. So maybe you can see more of the same like that. Yeah, it really feels – Auburn put up a ton of yardage in
1: that game. They just couldn't score in the red zone or even once you get past the 30. You know, those scoring opportunities, uh, they don't elude Auburn, but Auburn is not able to capitalize on them. And hopefully with whatever Cadillac-Williams does change up about the game plan or the play calling, uh, hopefully you can overcome some of those woes. And I, I like what you're saying. Get Tank Bisbee some of those – like you said, those two-step drop hit it and go. Those timing routes steal a little bit from the opponent you're playing against. I think it, Tank Bigsby ran a Texas route against Arkansas, and that's the first time I think I've ever seen him. I, I've, it's the first time I've seen Auburn run a Texas route since I knew what a
4: Texas route was. <laughs> it's been a while, if if really ever, that I've seen actual design routes to the running back in an Auburn uniform because mm-hmm. it's something that we begged for so long, and you know, this maybe we're aging ourselves in a, in a youthful way, but it's like <laughs> that angle route on NCAA football or Madden, it's open. It's going to score you a touchdown absolutely. every time. So it's, but it, if you kind of take Tex- that to the Texas real Texas or angle route or yeah. the post wheel or the post wheel every time. Yes, yes, absolutely. But, <laughs> and that's that, a wheel route, something we haven't seen out of the Auburn's backfield in quite some time yeah. as well. So it is nice to see, even though I know the play calling responsibility is a little different now, um, but maybe kind of take that, the good things, seeing more action out of the backfield in the passing game from those running backs that's a positive you can take because like you said Brent I mean Auburn didn't finish a lot of drives in that Arkansas game but there were a lot of good things offensively and and we just we talked about a little bit seeing Ashford just a little more comfortable Um, you want to keep him in the pocket a little more even though whether that's his fault leaving prematurely, but most mm-hmm. most it's not.
1: It's not <laughs> well, always.
4: Yeah, it's, it's not always. It's what's I, going up, up front. I defended Bo Nix for it. I'm going to have
1: to use the same defense for Robbie Ashford. He does bail early sometimes, but it, also his internal clock is sped
4: up. Yes. His internal clock has to be sped up because Auburn has deficiencies among the offensive line. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's something that doesn't really change overnight. You know, no. you've seen some some better, I guess, um, situations running the football, but pass protection's still been an issue. Will continue to be an issue even though maybe there's just some bright spots you can find from an individual standpoint but unit wise and and Cornell Williams said it just in the break uh, this week uh, talking about the physicality that Mississippi State brings they're not as physical up front defensively as they were last year which they kind of had an underrated defense last year Was Um, was
1: Montez Sweat still there
4: or was he already in the NFL? He now? was already in the NFL. I, every but, time I think of Mississippi State's defense, I think Well, of I mean, Sweat. if you want to go down that, you got Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, Fletcher Cox, like, yeah. um, Chris Jones. Mississippi State has put together an absolute unit on that defensive line, but uh, maybe not the namesake this year, but they still keep that physical mentality yeah, up front. For sure. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Mississippi State's defense.
1: So everyone wants to talk about their offense, right? Like that's what everyone focuses on. Um Hold on, where's the name? Where's the name? Where's the name? Emmanuel Forbes. Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State is a corner for them. He's the guy I was talking about earlier. He's got five interceptions on the year through, what are we at, eight games now? That's really impressive. That's a really impressive look, and it's not like he's gotten all of them in one game. He's spread that out. He has created turnovers in most of their games this season. So he's a guy that, you know, and I, I haven't watched a lot of Mississippi State's defense. I focus on their offense because obviously that's the... That's the part that's so intriguing about them. But is it, Christian? Have you watched them at all? Is he the guy that that lines up on the best receiver, or is he a guy that takes away one half of the field, or what? What do
4: they usually do with him? Yeah, I don't know scheme-wise where he he uh, typically lines up. I would assume probably the best guy on the field, but one you know that may depend on cuz i don't know who that receiver is necessarily for auburn and jokes aside we we truly don't necessarily know who that primary target right. is for auburn Right. Um, but just you know I think situational on, honestly yeah it probably it might be um, but just following a lot of nfl draft people his name his name comes up uh, you know a potential um, draft draft guy on the outside but kind of comparing it just from what we know since we haven't watched much mississippi state defense i guess Comparing it to Auburn, having that lockdown corner for so many years at Auburn, when you don't have one, like we've seen this year, even though DJ James has done a great job, but he's still maybe not that typical lockdown corner that we're used to seeing at Auburn. Yeah, I think he becomes one, but he's not one. He's not to the level of Roger McCreary and Carlton Davis guys like that. Absolutely, absolutely. But we know just how important and how much that can change your defense. Um, just success overall because especially in you know if you have a decent pass rush and then you have the back end of the defense defended well you're going to win a lot of football games and i'm not saying mississippi state's going to win games for their defense because statistically they're not the greatest but their their head's a little bit above water i guess but obviously if they're you know offense is struggling just a little bit they got enough players on that on that uh, defense that can keep them Uh, keep them in pretty good shape
1: absolutely so uh, mississippi state does have 17 sacks on the season as a team that's something to look out for as well but i you know talking about that it's hard to say this because i usually say this can't happen but it does seem like auburn's offensive line has gotten incrementally better especially in pass protection as the season has gone on
4: yeah i think so and and maybe you know Experience really means a lot when it comes to offensive line play, especially for these guys because – I mean hey I'm not bashing these guys whatsoever but some of them probably shouldn't be in a starting situation right now. Yeah, uh, um, absolutely. You know even though they are recruited as four or upper three star guys at this point in their career maybe they were thrown in a little too quickly or maybe they weren't getting the development that you had hoped and but like you said you know if you really look deep into it and you specifically watch the offensive line there are the small subtleties that you see that are getting better whether that is footwork and you know maybe we we see a little more cuz Ashford is that athlete but even if your offensive line isn't protecting as well on the bookends, if you still have that familiarity playing a handful of games with them like Ashford does now, you know when it truly is time to bail. You know when to, which side to bail off of when you see, you know, whatever pass rushers coming at you. So I guess maybe it is overall familiarity with just the, guy, the five guys up front, but maybe Ashford and even the running backs, like we've said, are getting just a little more familiar of, you know, situations and how those guys work up front. Yeah. Have you noticed the rotation at guard? the way
1: that I have this season. It seems like every other drive, you've got at least one new guard out there, and I've been scratching my head because you talk all the time, and this is something that I believe in as a former offensive lineman myself and as a guy that loves paying attention to things like this. You want to build those five as a unit. You want to keep those five guys together, even though this guy may be better at this particular thing. This guy's better as a run blocker. This guy's better as a pass blocker. You want to build that familiarity among those five guys. But Auburn this season has been rotating at guard pretty frequently.
4: Yeah, and we always hear the the phrase that a two-quarterback system doesn't work. Well, you notice that because they're the guys getting the ball every snap. Mm -hmm. You don't see that much when you have, you know, 50s and 60s up there up front. And, and that's kind of what Auburn's been doing. It's been almost a revolving door, so to speak. And like we said, those reps, especially when you're playing, you know, the LSUs, the Georges of the world, they mean a lot. But you've got to, you know, practice makes perfect in a sense. But even if that guy messes up on the last drive, they got to sit there and have that short memory so that they can not make that mistake again or just mature mentally and physically. And that guard position hasn't always been that consistent piece, not from a performance level, but just the same guys being in there on consecutive drives. Absolutely. Drew, your thoughts?
0: Um, (laughs) I'm still thinking a little bit about that offense. I'm not going to lie. I was just looking at the (laughs) We're we're going to take a
1: commercial break in a minute here, but we will get to the offense after that break. Yeah.
0: Will Rogers threw the ball 60 times against Alabama. Yeah. Completed 30 passes. He throws the ball a lot. Yeah. So – I mean, you talked about the importance of a corner in the backfield. That's even though there's going to be a lot of check down short passes, if our corners have a good game, there's a good chance of Rodgers having a low completion percentage. I'm hopeful that uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, who has looked good at times, off at times, steps up a little bit this weekend
1: absolutely that's the one name we're looking out for Jalen Simpson DJ James those corners a lot going to be asked of them especially when it comes to not just covering but to tackling as well like we said there's going to be a lot of short stuff thrown so we are going to take commercial break we have just taken a look a little bit at that Mississippi State defense when we come back we're going to talk about the offense you are listening to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9
2: Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m.
0: If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio.
2: We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger
0: 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call. Brad Dr. E. Christian Page, and Drew Bahenna coming to you live. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon on the top left. Tap, tap skills and games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, then tap enable to use, and you're done. All you have to do now is say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn, and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Brooks loves that. Brooks Childress loves reading that because it makes him
4: think that he's setting off people's Alexas. I don't know if I did or not, but it is fun to read things. Wasn't there a story years ago, like when Alexa's really came on the scene, I believe it was a Christmas commercial, and they would say Alexa ordered this, blah 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 and then there was a whole story of like that item actually showing up at people's doorsteps. <laughs> because it ordered it for him. So I guess in the past that that information was already in the Alexa device. Mm-hmm. And then it just, those items started showing up at their door. And so they had the, I'm sure HR and whoever else had yeah. a really not HR, but whatever, what, <laughs> customer whatever service yeah customer service had a really fun time of working all that out. Yeah. That's interesting.
1: All right. Let's talk a little bit about the Mississippi state offense. We just recap their defense. That offense. I mean, it begins and ends with Will Rogers really, um, that, that offense, we've talked about it a little bit. It is all timing. Everything is timing. Everything is one read. Everything is, if this if this safety goes to this side, throw it over the middle. If he goes inside, throw it to the guy on the outside. Leverage your corners. Everything. Uh, cr- a lot of crossing routes, a lot of meshes. It, so how do you mess that up? Christian, I'm going to ask you specifically. Drew, feel free to hop in at any time. How do you mess up the timing
4: on a, in an offense like this? I guess just thinking, you really, like you said, Will Rogers is definitely the guy that makes everything go, obviously. But a very high-level quarterback that will probably be in the league one day. You got to get in his head somehow, and you're probably not going to have enough time to really pin your ears back and rush the passer because, like mm-hmm. you said, it's all timing. It's quick at the ball out of your hands, yeah. very fast. They, and I think if there's a pass rush that comes from this, it's
1: going to be Colby Wooden shooting the inside gaps.
4: Yes, exactly. Not your typical, you know, it's not going to be Derek around the tackles. And, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so you got to get in the guy's head. And I don't know if that's running something because they're going to most likely probably try to get you to run man the majority of the game with just how many guys they have spread out. But try to get some kind of zone looks and maybe there's a zone blitz that you could run to the point but you gotta get in Will Rogers' head because Is this Derek Hall's second interception of the season? It could be. I mean that that's kind of the stuff you have to throw at him. You know, you kind of spy on Will a little bit and then you drop twenty nine back. And and you because the running backs like to run routes. We're talking about Auburn running backs running routes. Mississippi State backs definitely do. So that's going to get Papo and Steiner and those guys in man situations where they have to cover the flats, and they're going to have to really uh, pay attention to those running backs and their routes. So maybe this is a time where Hall kind of backs up, takes that middle of the field. And, again, that's just that's one thing you got to throw at Rodgers. you got to get them off rhythm because, like you said, it's a time rhythm-based offense. And when you throw things out like that, that's when you can kind of really get Mississippi State start guessing on offense. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things where
1: you have to, you have to interrupt his reads as much as you do anything. With if you show man at the at the snap and you drop into a zone, that messes up his timing. He's going okay. Now I have to switch to my zone beater, which is not what I thought I was going to do. And the timing of this is so precise that just that half second of oh crap, I have to adjust to this. Maybe that knocks off timing a little bit.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I agree with that as well. Just mixing up looks, not really showing him the same thing multiple times, at least in a row. Um, yeah, whether it's Derek Hall dropping back, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. He loves to throw the ball. His timing, as you guys have said, is really what makes it work. But I'm looking at the uh, depth chart of the receivers and running backs for Mississippi State right now. They have five players with over 30 receptions on the year, and one of them is a running back. So that just shows how much he likes to spread the ball. And like you said, get in his head, whether it's a big sack, big blitz that is successful. It's going to something has to happen where we make him feel uncomfortable. And if we really want to succeed on the defensive side of the ball, it has to be multiple plays per drive where. Yes, whether it's changing from a man to a zone or a zone to a man mid play, something that throws him off. Because if he's on his game, we saw that last year, and we know how that can go.
1: Yeah, that's I've talked about it on this show before. That Mississippi State game last year is something I'm going to be thinking about for a very long time. Because you were up 28 to three in that game. If that game continues like that, Bonex is out of it by the middle of the third quarter. He never breaks his ankle. He finishes out the season. Auburn might finish nine and three, maybe even ten and two. You know, probably ten and two, because I bet you win the Iron Bowl with better quarterback play, mm-hmm. if all other things being equal. So, man, if you know if that season finishes five and two instead of like it did, or ten and two
4: instead of five and seven, you know who knows. Yeah, and but. just thinking of how to, I guess, if you want to play the reverse, how to defend that. But like we said. Tackling has been a real issue for Auburn this mm-hmm. year. And Mississippi State's going to try to get you in single uh, solo coverage situations. They're going to force you to make those open field tackles. So even if Will Rogers is kind of getting in that sink, getting in that timing and that rhythm, you got to get the receivers on the ground. You got to yeah. get those running backs. You got to take good angles on them because even though their offense kind of operates where they don't have to do much yards after the catchwork and it is kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts, that's just kind of how they operate. But then you start, you know, making those upfield tackles. Then you kind of get them thinking, all right, maybe we need to test, you know, the the back part end of the secondary, which could get Auburn in some troubles. But keep everything in front of you, even though that is kind of what they want you to do. But you just got to play big on third down as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think
1: a guy that Auburn fans need to be looking out for. He wears number one. He stands at six foot five, two hundred pounds. Caleb Ducking, the wide receiver for Mississippi State. He leads the the Bulldogs with seven touchdowns. I think he's what is he he yeah i think he leads them in catches as well or is tied for the lead with 35 so he's a big guy um i know we said mix up your coverages but i feel like he's the type of guy you stick dj james on him Mm -hmm. and let him just follow him around for the entire game and just let that roll because i don't think that ducking is the type of guy who's going to make people miss as much as he's going to out physical guys and i think james has handled that really well this year
4: yeah he's definitely uh stepped up to the challenge of more of the physical matchups and Um, There's a reason why he doesn't get targeted that much in the game, and I know that's kind of a blanket statement of cornerbacks, but um, there is a reason why that he kind of is dictated to his own island. So this is an opportunity for a guy that definitely towers him in size, but, you know, you you play with him at the line of scrimmage. um, Hopefully you can just beat him off that time. But like you said, Will Rogers scanning the field, he doesn't have time for, I would say not routes to develop, but just with how quick-paced their offense is, you mess up Ducking's timing off the, off the snap, you're good for the rest of the play most likely. Yeah. And So if James can get in a routine of doing that, if that is ultimately the matchup, Auburn, Auburn may find some success there. Yeah. I, I, as, as bad as
1: this season has been, and make no mistake, it has been a bad season. I understand that. DJ James has been a bright spot to me. I think that dude has really stepped up. And when he transferred over from Oregon, I expected him to contribute. I did not expect him to be the number one corner. Uh, and I think he's evolved into that number one corner. Everybody thought that Nehemiah Pritchett was the next guy up. And Pritchett's been fine this year, but DJ James has really stood out. and, you know, i I think I, I think it was the LSU game. There was a deep ball, and he was covering somebody in the middle of the field. And from the time the ball is thrown, he's standing in the middle of the field. He runs over to the sideline and ends up knocking the ball away. And hes just made play after play like that, knocking play, making plays that were not to his man. And I think DJ James has just really proven that he can be a contributor for Auburn for a couple more years.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I remember that play you're talking about because it was almost a play that may have been picked off, but he even showed his vertical ability on that one because he He went up and he floated 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 over the guy to knock that pass down. But he is a bright spot. You know, he was a transfer in from Oregon. And so he was one of the guys that uh, I guess the Auburn fan base wasn't too familiar with. and. Um, you know, some of the newcomers have not lived up to the hype on this year's Auburn team, but he's definitely one guy that I'll say a pleasant surprise. We knew the recruiting uh, ranking that he came uh, to Oregon with, and then carried it over to Auburn. But he's definitely been a bright spot, and um, I'm sure the next coaching staff will be extremely excited to see him come back. Absolutely, I think uh, I think both Oregon guys have really stepped up. Jalen Jones or
1: Jason Jones, what's his name? Yeah, the Jason. second one, Jason, Jason Jones. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he's he's. A guy that doesn't have a whole lot of stats but he's also playing nose tackle you don't want your nose tackle to have a ton of stats he's doing a good job of absorbing those double teams and making it harder to run up the middle on Auburn most of those runs that Auburn well I don't want to say he's made it harder to run up the middle on Auburn but he has forced things to the linebackers which is what you want your nose tackle to do and then the the better athletes make those tackles and that's where Auburn's really losing themselves but I think Jason Jones has done a pretty good job too
0: yeah, I'm looking at that LSU game right now. Um, he did have a fumble recovery in that game, so not many stats, but the ones that you do see kind of stick out to you. Absolutely. Well, so the
1: Oregon guys have at least done well. The Bo Nicks trade is working out not great for both sides, but Auburn is at least benefiting from the guys they got in that trade, I guess. Um, I'll tell you what. We haven't talked about the coaching situation. We have not talked on today's show. Has there been news this week? (laughs) We'll talk about that when we come back. Speaking of Oregon. Speaking of Oregon. There you go. Christian gets it. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
2: now back to Sports Call on Tiger
1: 95.9. Sports Call Podcast is... Let me try that again. The Sports Call Podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you ever want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. Big shout out to Coke. Brand Daughtry, Drew Behenna, and Christian Page coming to you live from Auburn, Alabama. Guys, I don't know if y'all noticed, but uh, Auburn fired Brian Harson on Monday. And since then, it's been speculatory. To say so, the least. To say the least. <laughs> Drew, you and I have said our piece. Christian, you have not been on this show. You have not said your piece. Crack the knuckles and... Uh, you're Auburn's athletic director. You you are you So I'm, inhabit, all, so I'm also new. You okay. inhabit the body of John Cohen. Wh- wh-
4: who's the first phone call you're making? What's what's your hot board, if you will? My hot board would be Lane Kiffin, one, two, and three. All right. Um, but no, we, in, we are in agreement. Yeah. In all seriousness, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to pretend like I know how this whole process works. But you know, I'm I'm pseudo AD right now, so let's do it. I call Lane Kiffin or whoever my number one candidate is. I don't care if it's. Whoever you think it is, if it's – I'm not going to throw the Urban Meyer, but if you think it's Urban Meyer, if you think it's Luke Fickle, if you think whoever you want, make that person say no four or five times. Absolutely. And sure, you have a ceiling budget that you don't want to exceed um, because there are other really solid candidates um, that you can go after. But me, I would say Lane Kiffin, whether it's 10 mil a year for – I don't know. The next six or seven years, yeah, that's something you that's, have to. Target. That seems to be the number of people who keep going is ten million over seven years. Yeah, so I, I think I would. You would have to take that same strategy, and he's a lot more proven. Um, so he would definitely be a, my number one. And the one guy that his name keeps coming up. Uh, it seems like over the past forty-eight hours, Dan Lanning's name, yep. the head coach at University of Oregon, has been kind of a hot name that's been thrown around a little bit. And even though his bio I think's around fourteen million, that's still. Look, guys, we can talk about you know Auburn can't afford blah blah. Auburn can afford whatever they Money want. is not real. Yeah, so money is not if people real. People want to call in and say he's too expensive, blah blah blah. I'm not going to buy that. From our perspective, that's a lot of money from them. That's a paycheck, and they get their guy. So um, the only thing, I guess, that would you obviously have reservations from landing one year at Oregon. It's been a great year. We've seen the maturation process from Bo Nix. If you want to take that as an example. Um, And then you've just seen what they've strung together so far in Pac-12 play. Sure, he's a young coach, but he has that SEC experience. And, you know, sure, if you want to sit here and say, well, he doesn't have that head coaching SEC experience, one, not not a lot of head coaches currently in the SEC had that prior. Uh, but two, if you want to take some examples of former you know, assistants that have taken over those responsibilities in conference play, I know you look right down the road at Kirby Smart at Georgia, at D.C. for Alabama for however many years, waited for that opportunity, got it, and now he's doing great things at Georgia. Not saying that Dan Lanning has that same repertoire, but he might. And so that is the quote-unquote risk you take when you bring him on. And I don't think it's something, unless he's your number one guy, I don't think it's something that the Auburn fan base or even the national media would scoff at because they're like, hey, we get it. He's the young, maybe next star He's going to be an SEC coach one day. Auburn's just trying to jump everybody else. Absolutely. I mean, he's only 35 years old, Dan Lanning. He is
1: super young. But let's, let's look at his track. I've actually pulled up a little bit of his bio here. He was a graduate assistant at Pittsburgh, spent one year there. Then at Arizona State, he became the linebackers coach and recruiting coordinator at Arizona State in 2013, defensive backs coach and recruiting coordinator at Sam Houston State in 2014, Went back to GA at Alabama in 2015, inside linebacker and recruiting coordinator at Memphis under Mike Norvell in 16 and 17. Went to Georgia as the outside linebacker's coach in 18, defensive coordinator at Georgia from 19 to 21, and is now the head coach at Oregon. So in a very short amount of time, he has ascended from graduate assistant at Pittsburgh to head coach of Oregon and looks like the favorite in the Pac-12 right now. He's Everyone gives Kirby Smart credit for that defense that Georgia had last year and rightfully so and over the past several years and again absolutely he is behind that but also Dan Lanning was a part of that he contributed he was a major contributor and you can see it up at Oregon I mean what they're doing what they're doing defensively is really impressive especially given that the Pac-12 is not really known for its defense and Bo Nix is getting all the hype right now but Oregon is winning by beating people wholly, not because Bo Nix is just
4: not just because Bo Nix is averaging 350 yards a game. And A lot of people are gonna say, "Oh, well, it's Oregon. It's the Pac-12." Okay, well, he's doing everything that he should be doing. So yeah, if you want to say that, whether you're talking about Bo Nix or Lanning or just Oregon or whoever ends up being the Pac-12 champion, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, but you know, going with Lanning, and if people want to throw in the flat or throw in the the red flag of saying. I don't say inexperienced, or he doesn't—he hasn't had too many landing spots to make you feel truly comfortable that he could run a program. I get that, however. Auburn doesn't have the or there's not many coaches or, or opportunities out there where you can be patient with these up and comers. You got to sit there and you got to you got to find it when it's hot. And, and yep. he's the hot candidate right now. And I understand Lane Kiffin. Let that be your number one. If there's some other head coaches that have shown sustainability over a certain time period at their respective program, go for it. But I don't think inexperience necessarily it can be a reason for concern. But I don't think it should be a reason that you just do not consider this person at all. Absolutely. Uh, Talk to me a little about Lane Kiffin. So Kiffin is the one guy that I think gives Auburn the best chance to turn, I guess say, turn around the program pretty much next year. And you know we can sit there and talk about you know his phrase "come to the sip." If he can use that, translate that over to Auburn where he come to the barn. Yeah, okay, there you go, come to the barn. See, it's, it's probably already on a T-shirt somewhere. I I've already tweeted it. Yeah, there we go. Okay, at, well, at Lane well, Kiffin. Well, you need to get that copyright on there just, just so you can get <laughs> you know reap the benefits of the royalties if that happens. But he'll come up with something better and oh, he not will. come to the whatever. Yeah, he'll find something. But I hope I hope that opportunity comes absolutely uh, to fruition. But I think he gives Auburn the best chance for a quick turnaround, and I'm not saying Auburn's going to sit there and win nine or ten games next year and the way the roster shakes out it's next year's going to be rough no matter who the head coach is but, you've got to attack the transfer portal immediately absolutely and I and think nobody's done that better than Kiffin exactly and that, and that's my point and sure we can talk about long long-term sustainability but right now I mean I want to say high school recruiting takes a back seat you got to re-recruit your guys every single year yep and you got to recruit other guys you know you get I mean a lot of these playmakers uh, for Ole Miss right now, they weren't, they didn't come to Ole Miss for Ole Miss. They came there for Kiffin in the sense, but he had to go out and recruit him. You're taking a California boy like Jackson, Star- Jackson Dart to come over to Oxford, Mississippi, night and day. I mean, you're having a great time as a college student, night and day coming from L.A. to Oxford, Mississippi. But he has that – he created that momentum. He created that program where he can recruit those type of guys. And so he's going to have to dig a little deeper. He's going to have to go a little more in the trenches. But he's obviously shown a track record that he understands the NIL stuff. He understands the transfer portal. People can knock him on his high school recruiting. I think it's an extreme joke when people do that Yeah. um, because – uh, Judkins they're running back right now he's a freshman and he's killing it in the SEC yeah. right now from Pike Road exactly and so yeah he comes all the way over here so if you want to sit there there's there's one great example but I think Kiffin gives you the best opportunity to uh, create that momentum immediately and in a sense and we, we can elaborate on this in just a little bit but what coach can sit there and make Auburn relevant again from just a optics standpoint because sitting here, Georgia's the sexy team, along with Alabama. LSU's got the ball rolling. I know Florida struggled, but at least they have created somewhat of an identity. Yeah. And obviously the hottest team in football yeah. right now is Tennessee. The other, so- about, the other thing about Florida, Billy
1: Napier has kind of said, he's ex- he has set a timeline for himself. He has said, hey, look, we may
4: not be great this year. Give me time. He has bought that time. For himself, which I think was a really smart decision. Yeah, he kind of he's like, "Hey guys, this is gonna take a second. You got to yeah. be patient." The P word. Everybody hates the word patient, no mm-hmm. matter what your situation you're in. But that's probably what Auburn fans are gonna have to get used to next year. But there's one, there's some coaches over the others that can maybe create a little more momentum and maybe win a couple more games than maybe the other guys. I think with
0: with oh, go ahead, Drew. I was gonna say um, immediate relevance, if that's the goal. What are your thoughts on the potential Deion Sanders hire?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something you have to consider, too. And um, with – I guess it depends on where you rank him. Like, do you go after him first? Probably not. Um, But, like you said, I mean, what's the one concern we've had over the past handful of years why Auburn has not produced a consistent football team? It's recruiting and whether that's the transfer portal, whether that's high school. And, sure, I know we, we've – and I'm sure the show's talked at length about Malzahn's recruiting classes. They've ranked in the top 15 consistently. But, you know, the, the black sheep is the offensive line. In the trenches, it was not recruited that well. But if you want that quick re- relevance, Drew, like you were talking about, Kiffin's your number one, and Dion probably is because you've seen all the articles over the past week that says no matter where prime goes – those recruits are really going to consider that school because they want to play for a guy like that. Now, again, Prime's, I guess, the oldest guy probably on Auburn's list, which is weird, 55 years old. Um, but he's going to be one of the older guys on that list. And you just have to think about what his long-term coaching goals are because, you know, he he wanted to get into coaching for a reason because he'd been working a lot with high school students, uh, high school players. He worked a lot with the Under Armour All-American game. And then he wanted to make an impact in the HBCUs. He wanted to make Jackson State a relevant football program. Well, he's checked every one of those boxes. Mm -hmm. So what's the next box that he wants to check? Because he's obviously going to entertain Auburn. It's just if Auburn's truly going to entertain him, and I think you would be dumb by not letting him at least walk through that athletic complex and just watch him. Just like how he reacts, and could you picture him wearing an Auburn cap on the sideline every Saturday? and I think there's, there's a lot of positives. People are going to throw out the negatives. But again, if you want that quick relevance, if you want these high school players to come to Auburn and to make that Auburn relevant again, make Auburn attractive again, you definitely have to have them on your short list. I think the Deion Sanders thing is the most volatile
1: option as much as anything else. It is the biggest gamble because if it works, oh boy, is it going to work. Because you know that recruiting is going to be insane. Everybody wants to play for Deion Sanders. That's And the off season before the season would be just amazing. Everybody would be so excited. But it's the matter of, can he coach? We don't know. We, we don't know if he can win at this level. He's been a college coach for three years at the FCS level. Does that translate to the SEC? Does it translate to Auburn? Because, you know, you, you can be great at one spot in the SEC and not great at another, which I guess is the same gamble that you'd be taking with Lane Kiffin, even though I think that Kiffin is less of a gamble because Ole Miss is kind of just smaller Auburn in some yeah. ways, I think.
4: Yeah, and that is something, of course, you have to take all the considerations is how do you view? And I think that's why you bring him in for a meeting. That's not a phone call. It's be like, hey, what's your first, you know— Give me your timeline. You know, what's yeah. – I don't say – I don't want to be this specific. Like, every interview works this way. But what's your timeline? What's your day-to-day? Like, what are your goals over the next month, two months? And you just list it like that. And then you can really get inside his head because, you know, Dion. he's going to sit there and smooth you over just a you – know, He's a din- the best a din- talker. A dinner like, Yeah, Like, he's going to make this lasagna sound like the best meal on <laughs> earth because that's what he is, and that's what's got him in a great position. That's why he gets recruits through the doors to play for him. But you need to really dig into, be like, hey, this is not Jackson State. Auburn has a program already here. The foundation's laid. Yeah. It's a little broken right now, but the foundation's laid. How can you build up? How how can you build from it? And the canvas is there for him to do that and he's gonna put his touch on that and on that. But can Auburn be comfortable with that? Is that something that, like you said, now if you're if you're comparing them to the the Dan Lannings, which you know a lot of similar concerns, just given the youthful coaching experience. But if you're coaching them to the Kiffins or the Hugh Frieses or whatnot, that's when it may Dion may take the back seat to that because they have more experience, especially building programs uh, and being relevant on the national level as well. So I think you just take in all the considerations. I know that's a blanket statement, but. Um, I think you would be dumb not to at least entertain the idea, get Deion Sanders here on campus, and just let him soak in everything, and just you can truly get an ID, ID, uh, idea of what he could be as your head football yeah, coach. What he looks like yeah. on Auburn's campus, what his goals are. You said something a minute
1: ago, and it made me think about this, and going back to Lane Kiffin for just a minute. With Kiffen, he attacked the transport portal I'm wondering if he has to do that as much at Auburn. Certainly for the first year to rebuild the roster, um, since so many of the talented guys are leaving and you're going to be left with so many question marks, you're going to have to go and get the portal, whoever the next head coach is. I wonder if he's going to have to do that long term because Auburn is simply in a better recruiting spot than the Mississippi schools are. Um, you've, you're, what, an hour and a half from Atlanta. You've got Florida right below you. You've got talent in-state. You have re- you can reach into Texas and Louisiana easier than the Mississippi schools can. And Auburn has gone into Mississippi and stolen a couple of guys, Derek Hall most notably. Um, so do you think that in the future, if Lane Kiffin will focus more on the high school side of recruiting and use the transfer portal to patch up Holes more than create a roster.
4: Yeah, I guess willingness and have to are going to be two different ones. Like you yeah. said, starting off, yeah, 100% you have to. Um, and the willingness is there. But I mean, maybe if you just find a deficiency, I mean, you take Alabama, for example, they don't have to go get anybody else from any school. Jameer Gibbs is one of the best running backs in college football right now. He was playing all-conference at Georgia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. And you've seen Jameson Williams came from Ohio State and put on an All-American season for Alabama. So you can piece together things. Now, again, they would still be relevant without two of those players, but um, I guess it just turns out – let's hope – we, if he is the head coach, let's hope a couple years down the road that there's no have to. There's just like, yeah, I want to get some. I yeah. want to reap the benefits of some of these guys that aren't maybe in the spotlight that they should be. But we're going to make them in the spotlight here at Auburn. So hopefully that have to could change into just, yeah, we'll take them if if we need that to fill that vacancy. Absolutely. I, I think um when it
1: when it when this started happening when Jameer Gibbs went to Alabama, I think a lot of people were concerned. Uh, We got a lot of calls on this show saying that they were concerned that smaller schools were going to have better players stolen from them. I bet once Auburn starts stealing those good players, those concerns will start to disappear a little
4: bit. It's a little different when it affects you and not the people outside. Yeah, yeah, It it is interesting. I mean, just recruiting as a whole, and and that's why it is nice. And I'm not saying the old guys can't keep up with the changing times of of social media, of just college sports in a whole, but it is nice targeting some of these younger guys that hopefully they can adapt For the ever-changing college football, because we think it's night and day different from ten years ago, and it is, but it's just going to keep going. Because it comes to the point when we're probably not going to be governed by an NCA ruling anymore. You know, when does that branch off? And you got to have somebody that's just going to adapt to that. So maybe that's a bigger question. Where you know, can can coach like Coach Prime come in? Can he adapt to that? Can a Hugh Freeze adapt to that? Or are you going to be a little more? Um, look to the younger guys or more of the charismatic, fun guys like Lane Kiffin, obviously has a presence on social media, or the youthfulness of Dan Lanning, you know, in his middle 30s. Those are the guys that you're probably going to have to gravitate toward. But again, so many things you have to consider because this is an opportunity that Auburn doesn't have that much. And I know this could go into a different conversation. We don't have. We don't see Auburn in this situation much, where they can sit there and I don't say cherry pick whoever they want, but there's not many huge Power Five uh, uh, vacancies for these coaches right now. Yeah, and even if there are, there's not many that are going to come open. So you have to take that in consideration if you are a Kiffin, if you are a Dan Lanning, um, or some of these other high high profile coaches, because. A lot of those big, you know, Texas, and I know Oklahoma's a little unsatisfied with their coach, but USC's locked them up. Obviously, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, we'll see in the future. But, you know, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, all these huge programs have locked down their coaches, most likely are satisfied for their coaches for many years to come. So if you just put your your, uh, coach's hat on for a second, got to consider that hey, this is an opportunity that may not come knocking on my door in the next three to five years, so I really need to t- entertain the idea of coming to Auburn. Yeah. Well, You mentioned his name.
1: What are your thoughts on Hugh Freeze? Because I've made it very well known I am wary of Hugh Freeze, not because I think he's a bad football coach and not because he cheated, but the fact that he cheated and got caught yeah. and the way that he was forced to leave Ole Miss. and There's a lot of baggage there for a guy that I don't think is too different from Gus Malzahn.
4: Uh, well, you you stole my opinion right there at the <laughs> end. I mean, that's what it is. I don't think now he may be a better version of uh, of of Gus Malzahn in the sense where I think you've seen maybe a little more. And I say this at Liberty, so I say it lightly. You've seen more of an adjustment maybe to his offense because um, Gus point blank wanted to run the football most yeah. of the time. He was and, he was unable to adapt. Right, and that was ultimately the downfall. And that can go you know talk about recruiting whatever. Malzahn's downfall was his inability to adapt consistently. It seems like, Freeze, you've at least seen that a little bit uh, more. Uh, and we'll, we'll see tomorrow when they play Arkansas. We'll see maybe how they match up that's, against if one of the more wins, physical teams. If Liberty wins that game, we're going to get 15 phone calls on yes. Monday. And, and, and rightfully so. I mean, in the sense where it's like, okay, maybe and, and maybe that's a, something that you, you want to watch and just see. We've seen how how Hugh Freeze operated Ole Miss in the SCC. but now you're seeing him from the other sideline against Arkansas. And maybe just kind of compare the two if your memory goes back that far where you can just see how he operates in the game because yeah. most likely he's going to be down by a touchdown or two and just see what situation, see if he adapts, see just how he rallies that team to see what they can do. They're not as talented as, as they were a year ago. They still have a super good record right now. I believe, what, 8-1 and one or 7-1, and one, something, something like, like that. that. Um, so they definitely have an opportunity to play spoiler here, uh, and they will get that opportunity. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm weary on freeze as well. I don't think it's a bad hire if Auburn does it. Just don't make it your first, second, or third call. Yeah, I think that's probably the process that has to go in. We've got three minutes left
1: here in this hour. Give me a quick rundown since I, I want to talk more about the slate of college football over the weekend in the third hour. Talk to me about Jeff Grimes. He's the other big name that people have been throwing out there. A lot of Auburn fans are not excited about that. I think it would be a pretty good hire. I want to know your thoughts.
4: It's definitely the vanilla hiring of the group. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like the flavor vanilla. So <laughs> it's it, there's a reason it's like the number one most sold ice cream in the world. But um, anyway, and all, all jokes aside, I think it is definitely something that Auburn needs. Um, they get a... I would say they get a play caller because he, he will definitely surrender those uh, those responsibilities. They get a guy that definitely focuses up front. I mean, he was a great offensive line coach here, recruited extremely yeah. well under Gene Shizik uh, from I think 09 to '12, and um, he's he's continued to do that at Baylor, Virginia Tech, wherever he's been. And he just va- barely remember kind of watching him when he was on the sidelines. He, he's an intense coach, and you've seen it when he coaches at Baylor as well. And I think he he knows the expectations at Auburn he gets the experience um, he knows what it's like working under the immense pressure that Auburn brings oh, yeah and so the experience from that because I'm trying to think of some other guys that have that are even considered to be on Auburn's coaching hotboard I don't know if any of them have relevant Auburn experience so he's one that gets it Obviously won a national title at Auburn. Like he understands where the peaks are, and he obviously understands the lows as well. But he's <laughs> rebounded from that, and in, in the sense, but I think he's a guy that Auburn fans need to need to get used to, possibly being the guy. Even yeah. though I know it's not the the sexy hire. It's not the ones that are going to get recruits giddy to come play for Auburn give it time I think it could that's
1: that's what's crazy about it is we want this ace recruiter Jeff Grimes has been an ace recruiter Mm -hmm. he has recruited so many great players Zach Wilson um, he's got 17 first rounders on the offensive line since the year 2000 he's just not Lane Kiffin or Deion Sanders he's not he doesn't have that flash but Jeff Grimes has been a pretty good recruiter over his career and I mean, you think back to, I think the only great offensive lineman in my lifetime that I can think of, uh, and part of this is because I didn't pay attention to the offensive line until like 2010, but the only great offensive lineman I can think of that Jeff Grimes was not involved in directly was Braden Smith. Uh, and, you know, ever since Grimes has left, the offensive line at Auburn has been in decline. Even the good ones that didn't ha- had one or two really good players on them, but the rest of them were just kind of serviceable. But that worked because you get because it's the Gus Miles on offense, everything's a zone blocking scheme. You get a scale, get a stalemate, and turn your butt to wherever the ball wherever the ball is going. Um, and but you know, I like Jeff Grimes. I like the Jeff Grimes hire a lot. He's again, he's not my first choice because I think you can get Lane Kiffin. But I like the Jeff Grimes hire a lot if if Auburn decides to go that way.
4: You'll definitely save some money if you do it again. I just I started out the conversation saying money does not matter whatsoever, <laughs> but if you want to be, be the cheapest choice, yeah, he would be the cheapest choice, and I'm, I could almost guarantee he will he will say yes the first time you ask. Yeah, that seems to be the report as well. Is that he understands Auburn and he loves Auburn. He would like to come back here if he was offered a job. Yeah, I mean. That, that, that's a quick, maybe that's one of the last few you asked because yeah. you, you can almost slam dunk and guarantee it. And that's that's your, your last one on the list. That's not a bad one to fall. No, not at
1: all. Well, that'll do it for hour number three. We've got one more hour to go. Brant Daughtry, Drew Bahenna, Christian Page coming to you live here on South College Street. One more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call.
2: Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
1: Third hour of Sports Call getting started right darn now. Brand Daughtry, Christian Page, Drew Bahenna coming to you live. We are going to start this hour off. Let me read this first. With a phone call. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call to join sports call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 Auburn Bank is proud to be the sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. And we're going to go to that phone line right now. And joining us is Terry from Auburn. Terry from Auburn, formerly Terry of Talladega. Terry, how are you doing today?
2: I'm
6: fantastic, guys. Good afternoon to y'all.
1: Afternoon. How are you? Or, I already asked that. What's up?
6: Doing great. Doing great. Doing great. That's okay. Um, I heard you guys have been out of the room a little bit and out of the apartment and things like that. So you guys were discussing Hugh Freeze, Was something said today or something? Or was that just you guys' uh,
1: comments? Nothing nothing new on the coaching search front, just us speculating. Uh, Christian is a former host of the show, first time he's been on the show in a while, so uh wanted to get his opinion on uh, the various candidates.
6: Okay. Well, I've been a Hugh Freeze guy all along. I uh, think he would be the best. I think, cause I think he would be the most loyal to Auburn. I think if he had a great year and somebody come calling, he would say, no, Auburn gave me a shot, I'm going to stay here. And I, I would question that less and less. Um, however, I'm starting to switch over to the Dion Sanders camp a little bit because uh I heard some Alabama fans just say no we don't want you don't want we don't want him at Auburn. I said no they don't want him because they don't want him going against Nick Saban uh because of some comments already made by some recruits that they would flip their loyalty back to Auburn. And Auburn would Auburn is so void of talent, he might could close that gap significantly.
1: Absolutely. You know, that's that is the That is the hype behind Deion Sanders. That's the reason everybody's looking at Deion Sanders is because the recruiting that Auburn would get would immediately jump. The transfer portal and the high school guys uh, would immediately be an impact, and uh, that is certainly most of the steam behind Deion Sanders.
6: Well, I'll tell you something, too, and this hasn't been talked about much, but he might prevent some other guys from leaving as well, and he might bring some guys back like a Landon King.
1: Absolutely. That's one one reason.
6: That's another thing people aren't talking about near enough, because... I got a feeling some other guys are going to jump ship in the near future, and and I think some other guys would come would stay and would come back. Quite honestly, if Dion Sanders was the coach,
1: oh yeah. Any um, time you have a coach firing, some guys are are going to go. But yeah, I think Dion could convince some of those guys to stay for sure.
6: Sure, yeah, because you always hear you sign with university, not with a coach. But we know that's not true.
1: Oh no, absolutely oh, yeah.
6: not. Not true anymore at all. I mean, at one time that's that's you know showing my age a little bit there. Graduate high school in nineteen eighty five, so showing my age a little bit there. But that's. Totally different totally different situation now. Um, but uh just, just out of curiosity, do you think it's got it's gotten as far now to where Auburn doesn't make a splash higher, it would be a disappointment? And the reason I say that because I saw um, Coastal Carolina beat Appalachian State last night, and I think Jamie Chadwell is a heck of a coach.
1: That's that's one name we have not talked about. I love Jamie Chadwell. I don't know if he's ready to coach at Auburn yet, but I would not be disappointed with that. I think if you don't get a Lane Kiffin or a Deion Sanders, some people are going to be disappointed. But look, if Jeff Grimes or Jamie Chadwell or whoever the non-splashy hire is starts winning, well, I mean, look at Tennessee. Tennessee fans were not excited when they hired Josh Heupel, but he has them winning. So people, you know, there's more excitement in in Knoxville than there's been in years. So I, I absolutely think that if those hires are made, they could easily get people on their side.
6: Yeah cuz uh sooner or later Oklahoma University is going to come call college for Josh Eiffel, and he'll go. Which was always my fear with Dion, because at some point I think Florida State's going to come up, come over. Oh yeah. I think it's going to be in the next 5 years.
0: That's and that's he, a worthy he, he, fear.
6: You can't turn down, you can't you mean with, but, like a friend of mine you say when mama called you home for supper you usually went in. <laughs>
0: The thing with FSU and Deion Sanders, and I may be looking into this a little too much as a Tallahassee native, um, he really wanted that job when FSU hired Mike Norvell, and they weren't on great terms after they ended up going with Norvell. You're right though, to an extent, it would be hard to turn down your alma mater if they came and the asking price was correct, but there's, there's reason to believe that I don't think he would just immediately jump ship if FSU came calling. It, w- it would have to be a tough situation at the school he is at and the right offer from Florida State.
6: Well, you being a tally has to if you could answer this question, I've heard that they're not in the best financial shape either. Is that true?
0: Um. Well, I believe Mike Norvell recently got um, paid again. And, yeah, there, there's there been issues. There's a rather new president um, leading the athletic department and the rest of the school, obviously. But um, President Roberts, I believe – or, no, that's – Auburn. Sorry, I'm getting my schools mixed up, but um, yeah,
6: you're getting your millionaires mixed up. Yeah,
0: it's hopefully billionaires. But um, Billionaire. yeah, I they financial struggles are not a huge issue at FSU. It's another school where there's not quite Auburn money, but there's a big booster collective that takes care of their guys, and I don't think Mike Norvell is unhappy with what he's getting paid right now.
6: Well, I mean, he, he's a, he's a good coach, but I just I just think you got a chance to hire one of your own, a guy that was there during the glory quote unquote glory days, you know. And I just think that I also think there's a budding rivalry between Deion Sanders and the, and the coach at Miami. It's going to happen and bring back that old Miami Florida State rivalry. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name all of a sudden. In uh, Miami,
1: uh, Cristobal Mario Cristobal
6: Cristobal. That's it. Yeah, Mario Cristobal. The, the kind of like kind of like it was when it was you know Jimmy Johnson and Bobby Bowden. Yeah. So. You know, I don't think it'll be quite to that level, but hey, you know, it's just pretty, pretty, pretty big. I mean, so. But anyway, the last thing, guys. Um, what? How? What's as soon as you think we could hear something? Naturally, stuff's going to start leaking out sooner than later, and us fans will probably know before they want us to know. But yeah, you know, do you guys anticipate mm. after the Iron Bowl?
1: Yeah, I think it'll be pretty soon after the Iron Bowl, unless you hire a guy who's not currently sitting anywhere. Um, I think that'll be the the earliest we hear anything start to leak out. Uh, If it's a guy, I I, I think the only name that I've heard that's not currently sitting somewhere is Matt Rule. If it's Matt Rule, you might hear it sooner than the end of the season, but if it's anybody else, I think it's going to be after the Iron Bowl.
6: Okay, well, put me in the camp, Jeff Grimes, no way. No way. Auburn is not an on-the-job training facility. If you want to be a head coach, go to Southern Miss, go to Memphis, go to South Florida. Sorry, guys. But that's just where you have to learn to be head coach. I I don't think Auburn is a place where you can afford to on-the-job training against Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and the monsters they've developed. I just don't believe that. So if he wants to be head coach, go there and get your feet wet, get some experience, then come talk to us. But I don't want a coach that's going to come in a press conference and say, we're going to run the ball, stop the run, play special teams soundly, and and play defense. So so I just just don't want to buy that. I just don't want to hear it. And I think Auburn's in a position where they can't take that chance anymore. I think they have to make a a quote-unquote splash type hire, even if it is a Chadwell. He's a lot more splashed than Grimes, and um, at least he's a head coach. I just don't think Auburn's in a position to, to make that move. I really don't. So we'll see, but uh, we'll, we'll see sooner than enough. I mean, which we'll taste? Gosh, guys, it's hard to believe it's already November.
1: Yeah, only four more games left Christmas in the regular weekend.
6: season. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous, isn't it?
1: Yeah, moves way too fast. Sure,
6: you guys, have a great weekend.
1: Hey, thanks, Terry. You too. That is Terry from Auburn giving us a call on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, Terry does bring up a good point. As much as I would approve of Jeff Grimes, I think Jeff Grimes is a darn good coach. He has never been a head coach before. Do you want him to get his first head coaching experience at a place like Auburn?
4: Not particularly. No, and that's that's, that
1: feels like the holdup.
4: It is, and you know, because you just don't know. Because Auburn's in a situation now where former uh, was employed for you know had a year and a half, and because he could not create momentum, he could not sustain any program relevance whatsoever. So you have to find somebody that at least has a taste of that where you can at least feel confident for, heck, just the next two years. Let's just start there. And, sure, I understand, you know, there's the reservations with Grimes because he's never had to do that. And so that I understand Terry's point of saying you got to get somebody that at least has head coaching experience. I'm not a big Chadwell guy because – He's barely been at any program that sniffs a Power Five program. I'm just going to be that honest. Coastal Carolina is not a Power Five. Right. It's not close to. Right. And and not that we want to sit here and and compare – Harson and Chadwell's experience, but the resume is not entirely, not that much different. And the fact where Harson actually had a little more, uh, had a leg up in that being the coordinators yeah. at Texas yeah. and having that experience. And he, had, so, he was a head coach at Arkansas State before sure, going back right, to Boise. Right. So he had a little more of a repertoire. So it's like, I just don't want Auburn to necessarily fall victim of the potential, you know, I know Chadwell's a younger guy, I think in his mid 40s, I think maybe yeah. about 45 years old, and Something he's done like great that. things at Coastal. Let Georgia Tech take that risk. Let some other teams <laughs> take
1: that risk. See, I think Georgia Tech's going to end up with Dion. If right. if I was placing bets on it, I would say, hey, come back to Atlanta. Let's own this city. Yeah. We don't you don't have to recruit outside of Atlanta to populate Georgia Tech.
4: No, not at all. And that's obviously Atlanta's a, a place that's extremely familiar to Deion Sanders and that he can recruit that he's familiar with it and he could quickly get things moving. And it's Georgia tech that would give you complete autonomy to that football program. Absolutely. They would let you do whatever you want. I think Auburn's, I don't say learn from their mistakes. They're still going to be the meddlers there. But when you give full control to Dion, that may be a little more that the Auburn boosters or people close to the program that can truly chew on for them to feel comfortable of surrendering all that um, you know responsibilities to to somebody like Prime.
0: Yeah, and with Dion, that is the conversation that a lot of people are having: is that he's going to want in, or he's going to want to come in and have that complete control. Not really into the boosters, the meddling, making calls. He's going to want to be the guy that the Bucks starts and stops with him, mm-hmm. and that. And you should been... expect
4: that as a head coach in Power Five. You Auburn's a little should. different. Prime's a little different. So it is kind of. I don't say two cars running into each other, but it, there's gonna have to be a compromise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And which side of that compromise Has would would prevail yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's it it really is two cars mm-hmm. moving head it's, into each other.
1: If Deion Sanders comes to Auburn and, and and please understand everybody, Auburn is not unique in that there's Booster interference, right? Where it, it, that happens, absolutely everywhere. It is not unique to Auburn. Uh, it doesn't happen. Well, it does happen everywhere. It's A little
4: more public. It's, a li-
1: it's that's we'll the thing. That, is yeah. what's unique about Auburn is that Auburn airs out its dirty line and it's a little bit. And it's
4: incredibly fascinating to the national media for some reason. <laughs> I know Auburn's booster interference or meddling has been. A topic of conversation because maybe they're not as secretive about it yeah. as compared to the likes of the other big programs but yeah to your point it's not a problem only specifically to Auburn
1: no absolutely not
4: well we've got about 10 minutes left in the show when we come back from this break we'll have our nightly
1: tv guide and look at the co- upcoming slate of college football you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Follow us on tweeters.
2: Follow our Sports Call host, JJ Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU.
6: Hashtag, is that two words?
2: I'm Jeff Woodaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports
4: Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Sports Call Podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. You can find the Sports Call Podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Tiger Communications app. Please go listen to those podcasts. I work hard on them. Also, if you want to... You can uh, listen to Every interview that we do On this show We separate that So if you don't want to listen to the full What ends up being about 2 hours and 15 minutes of the show You can just listen to those interviews By themselves And you won't have to search for them Isn't that wonderful? Guys Tomorrow's Saturday It's college football Saturday Couple of big matchups Let's run through the slate real quick Obviously the one that steps out Let's just go ahead and talk about it Tennessee travels to Georgia. um, Number two versus number one or number one versus number three or whatever. Uh,
4: Where are you guys going to be for this game? (laughs) Uh, Hopefully right on my couch in front of a TV and not getting up anytime soon. There you go. This is... I mean, this is this is SEC Saturday football right here, Absolutely. and having this and Alabama and LSU—I know I'm spoiling the schedule here—but like, that's awesome. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is awesome to have, and they're lined up perfectly, so you don't have to flip between channels or anything. But I mean, this is. It's crazy to think Tennessee's in this position. I know they're still a dog, because, uh, no pun intended, but in a- and- and Sanford Stadium, yeah. I think it's seven and a half, eight, eight points, something like that, but Tennessee being in a position, coming to Sanford Stadium as the number one team according to the playoff rankings is just incredible of how quickly you can turn that around, how quickly a quarterback can make that difference, and just really getting that offense flowing, but... We're truly, I know. I say we're truly going to see what Tennessee is. Yeah, they beat Alabama. They gave up a lot of points against Alabama. I think Georgia's defense is a lot stiffer than Alabama's, Um, but we'll see. I mean, this is this is a really fun game, and um, I I can't wait. I know that was a very non-analytical. breakdown of the game but as a (laughs) pure fan i just want to see all the points i want to see the big i just want to see it all because this is truly what sec football and then the encore i guess we get alabama and lsu and that would be perfectly fine with me (laughs) a night game in death valley you know someone pointed this out and it's
1: you need to install your system and you need the right quarterback for it if you can get those two things you can turn a program around so fast and josh heupel and hinden hooker have done that and look I think Hendon Hooker is the Heisman favorite right now. If he goes into Sanford Stadium and beats Georgia, just give it to him. He's gonna him. Yeah. win the darn give, thing. Bring it with you and give it to him after yeah. the game. Absolutely. So Hendon Hooker, he's just been insane to watch. And who's that? Who's the wide receiver?
4: The guy who scored the Jalen front, Hyatt. Jalen yeah. Hyatt. Yeah, he's Incredible. been a lot of fun to watch. And I think what, Cedric Tillman. Uh, he, he yeah. came back last. week. He came week, back last week, and um, so he he was supposed to be the star receiver, and then Hyatt stole the show. Which, if you compare going back to Devontae Smith's Heisman season. Hyatt and Smith's numbers are more comparable than you think. Yeah. And uh, I'm not saying Hyatt. I mean, Hyatt doesn't really sniff the Heisman odds, rightly so. There's a lot of good quarterbacks this year. Um, but that's just the impact that this team, not just Hooker, but I mean, it, people want to talk about, you know, that LSU offense and the the uh, the weapons that Joe Burrow had. Hooker's looking very sim- similar to that. They're putting up a lot of similar numbers. I know the rushing numbers aren't as prevalent. There's no Cly- Clyde Edwards or Lair back there in Knoxville's backfield, but that Tennessee offense is just as potent. That cleaned some things up on defense, but we'll we'll see what they can do tomorrow afternoon.
1: Absolutely. So uh, your boring Big Ten game comes at 2.30 as Michigan State goes to Illinois. Sean Shivers' revenge tour. That's about the only reason I'd be watching that. Um, The Bo Nix revenge tour continues as Oregon travels to Colorado. I'll be watching that because I just liked watching Oregon. I've been a big defender of Bo Nix since he got to Auburn and needed to be defended. Um, And seeing him finally, like, the meme last year focused having fun. That whole thing. He actually looks like he's having fun yeah. playing for Oregon, and I, I couldn't be more happy for the guy. I think he, he has
4: what eleven touchdowns, rushing touchdowns yeah.
1: this year. What he's yeah, got? Man, that's He incredible. had five. He had five passing touchdowns in the last game Auburn ha- that he played. Auburn has five passing touchdowns this season.
0: <laughs> so, Slight discrepancy there.
1: <laughs> wow. You know, happy happy for Bo, and I'm yes. going to continue to be happy for Bo. Um, Liberty and Arkansas. We touched on this game earlier. If Liberty wins this game, they are number 23 in the country, according to the AP, Arkansas unranked, Arkansas hosting. If Liberty wins this game, I think the Hugh Freeze chatter goes through the roof.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you come into a SEC school and win at their home stadium as Liberty, um, there's going to be noise around that, rightfully so. That's a huge win for just about anyone, and especially for a potentially upper half sec team arkansas has looked good at times this year got a good quarterback Mm -hmm. um how could you not pay attention to that if that's the outcome of the game absolutely
1: so the then you have your big nightcap alabama travels to lsu night game in death valley it's stupid hard to win there um and alabama has shown that they have some cracks in the armor lsu is a team on the rise number 10 in the initial playoff rankings do it I think Alabama wins this game. It's close in the first half, maybe he ends up winning by 10 or 12, something like that. How do you guys see this game playing
4: out? Yeah, I have a similar thought process. And one thing, kind of a tangent off this, and we can get back to the game, but LSU is one of the – maybe the only team in the West Division that has truly gotten better pretty much every week since they the have. first week. They have. And, you know, Ole Miss has kind of just been plateau, and then, you know, they got blown out by LSU. Um but Arkansas started off hot. They were the trendy team, and then obviously we know Alabama and um, you know Mississippi schools, and obviously Auburn didn't start, but they've they fought under ex- or felt under expectations as well. But LSU is the a team that keeps building and building and building, and so that momentum has to mean something. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the lights on in Death Valley, bringing in Alabama. Play spoiler. Alabama's a team that we've seen, they don't have just one vulnerability. They have multiple. And Tennessee was a good enough team where they could uh, sit there and take advantage of that. Is LSU a good enough team? We'll see. But um, quarterback play has been a lot better. Um, You're seeing really efficient numbers from there. Run game's been good. Defensively, they played a lot better um, over the past few weeks. So LSU, I mean – they got a team that could definitely beat Alabama. And I don't think it would come as as so much of a, a surprise if you see the final score and LSU's highlighted. Yeah. what Jaden Daniels was a guy when he was at
1: Arizona State was just very unimpressive to me. He had a ton of starts under his belt, but every time I watched him, he was just kind of okay. He got to LSU and he started out in much that same way. He has been playing really, really well since about that Auburn game where he was very unimpressive yeah. as a passer. But since then, he's just getting better and better. Jaden Daniels is a guy that
4: he's impressing me, you know. And I didn't think I would be saying that at the beginning of the season. I mean, making your quarterback comfortable just is just means the world. I mean that, and like you said, you know, Arizona State, I think his freshman year. He had a really solid season, and then you're like you said, it was just ho home. It was nothing crazy, and Arizona State had their own issues uh, with their coaching situation. Yeah, they did. So he got he got out of there at the right time. But like you said, it was the Florida State game. You saw the athleticism, very vanilla, and then the Auburn game. It was just a poor performance, really, from that offense as a whole. And Auburn, you know, helped them win that football game. But um, Daniels has improved, and you know he's we'll definitely see uh, come tomorrow night. But he has definitely looked the part and. He brings that athleticism to them that so, some of the receivers have, have kind of underwhelmed this year for LSU. Some of their skill players haven't stepped up to what we thought they would be, uh, but Daniels is is finding ways to really get them involved and keep that offense staying efficient.
1: Yeah. Kayshawn Booty is a guy that, you know, speaking of skill players that just haven't stepped up, he's been a guy who you always feel has the potential to just absolutely blow up, just to explode. And he just hasn't had a game like that this season. and. I wonder if it's more on him or if it's more on Daniels or just the offense that they're running now. Do you you all have any thoughts, or is that just you all have seen the same thing and you're wondering what I'm wondering?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same book. He definitely has big playability, and it's kind of been shocking that we haven't seen more of it this season.
4: He's dropped a lot of passes this year, too. I don't know the number, but just watching him in in primetime moments, like, he's dropped it. And he just didn't look as engaged. And you remember the whole fiasco whenever he deleted everything on social media after that week one loss to Florida State. I thought he was going to be an Auburn Tiger. (laughs) I was convinced. (laughs) Oh, transfer you. But anyways, uh, but I guess – that was them just kind of getting more involved and trying to figure out the Brian Kelly situation and just being familiar. There's a lot of new faces on there, of course, on the sidelines with the coaching staff, but breaking in a new quarterback and some other pieces as well. Um, but you're, you're seeing them piece it together. I mean, Kelly, he's, he's an interesting, peculiar coach, <laughs> he, but he knows how to coach. There's a reason that his win percentage is so high. There's yep. a reason why he's had program sustainability for so long at Notre Dame, and I think we'd be dumb not to expect something very similar at LSU. Absolutely. All right. Uh, one more game that's, that bears mentioning. Clemson at
1: Notre Dame. D- do we give Notre Dame a chance in this one? I know they've been just so underwhelming so far this year, but Clemson has not been perfect, but they are still in the top four. What What do you all think about that one? Are, like, I understand we're all going to be watching Alabama-LSU. but
0: <laughs> I've seen Clemson play in person this year. Um, I went to Tallahassee for the FSU-Clemson game, and they – it was a tale of two halves in that game. They were remarkably unimpressive in the first half. Um, they just couldn't get the ball going. DJ wasn't throwing it too well. Um, they weren't running it well either. And FSU was well in the game in the first half. And then something switched. I don't know if it was Dabo's halftime speech, but that second half <laughs> Clemson team looked like a top four team in the country. They FSU couldn't get anything going on offense. And I know this is a not a great offense in Florida State, but Jordan Travis is a decent quarterback right. and he was shut down completely in the second half
1: yeah that that seems to be over the past couple of years or since i guess trevor lawrence graduated clemson's identity
4: has been on the defensive side of the ball Absolutely. they want to
1: shut people down rather than put up 50 60 points a game
4: yeah and turnovers were a big deal for clemson and that seems like it's been a theme and which leads to kind of the uninspiring first halves but it's like hey guys we're still – like, defense keeps you in the games. We're, we got enough talent where we can outmatch these guys, yeah. bring it together, breathe, relax, play second half. So we might see more of the same because, you know, Notre Dame, I mean, they'll play you tough for a little bit, but ultimately they're in a they're, – they're changing a lot of things. That culture is changing for sure. And um, I'm not saying the moment's maybe too big for Marcus Freeman as head coach, but it's a little different maybe than what he was expecting. Oh, yeah. But um, – I mean, Clemson obviously will outmatch them, but I think Notre Dame, they got enough enough talent there to hang in for a little bit. For sure. All right, show is about to wind down,
2: but before we get out of here, let's get you our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide.
1: Sports Call's nightly TV guide is brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by one of your local TK's convenience stores and make up a White Claw variety pack today. Lead this off. First off, we've got college football: Duke at Boston College, 6 p.m. Central kicks off uh, in just a few, uh, just about half an hour on ESPN. Two uh, ACC football is rather boring, but it is a Friday night, and there's we'll take no other Friday night on.
0: football. Won't we?
1: Absolutely. I think at 9:30 there's also a, a Pac-12
0: game. Kicking yeah, off. Oklahoma State and um, I'll tell I think it's Oregon State and Washington. Oregon State and Washington. Orange uh, and black teams. There you go.
1: Uh, Also in college football, in the world of college football, Alcorn State at Prairie View A&M, 6.30 p.m. Central on ESPNU. That's that's an HBCU battle, isn't it? Both of those are. Um, So more college football for you there if you get ESPNU in the NBA. The Chicago Bulls visit the Boston Celtics, 6.30 p.m. Central ESPN. Um, The Celtics are kind of going through it right now, huh?
0: Yeah, it's still early, but yeah, I mean... They just lost who they thought was going to be their head coach to the Nets, even though they had suspended him. Weird yeah, situation. The, the, the Ime Adoka situation is very insane. weird situation.
1: Uh, other NBA action: Milwaukee Bucks at the Minnesota Timberwolves nine nine p.m. Central on ESPN. Following up that Bulls Celtics game. Anytime Giannis is on TV, it's kind of appointment television. Absolutely, very true. Uh, for some movie picks for you tonight: Starsky and Hutch. At 7 p.m. on FX, released in 2004, starring Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson.
0: That movie is absolutely hilarious. That's Thor- a duo. Do it. Do it.
1: At 7 p.m. on TBS is Norbit, released in 2007, starring Eddie Murphy, Terry C- Terry Crews, and Cuba Gooding Jr. I have never seen that. Seconded. Ad- Norbit. We've never seen Norbit. Third. Nope. All right. So nobody in the studio it, knows anything about Norbit. Well it. done, Brooks. All right. At 8 p.m. on Showtime, Twilight in 2008, starring Christian Stort and Robert Pattinson. I have seen that movie.
0: I have seen that one. I have also
1: seen that <laughs> movie. I did not love it when I was younger, but, you know, I. some people do. If you're listening to Sports Call and you like Twilight, it's on Showtime tonight. At ten PM on TNT I'm sorry, I said <laughs> At ten PM on TNT. Step brothers from two thousand eight starring Will Ferrell
4: and John C. Riley. Did you touch my drums? Yeah, song? watch that one instead. Yeah. That starts song? at ten. That's definitely one of my one of my tops for comedy. Yeah. I actually, laugh just as much as I did the first time. Absolutely. I've actually a pair of Will Ferrell
1: movies tonight uh, at 11 on TBS. Semi-Pro, released in 2008, starring Will Ferrell and Woody Harrelson. I did not know that Step Brothers and Semi-Pro came out in the same year, both
0: 2008. Yeah, the 2000s two era of comedy is yeah. unmatched. Will tonight Ferrell, Will Ferrell went unmatched.
1: on a run, like, I guess, starting with Anchorman in 2004.
4: Yeah, maybe a little not, more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, old school was uh, early 2000s, but he, he shared the spotlight in that one. Yeah. But yeah, Anchorman was... His, his primary that's
1: i watched anchorman for the first time that's our nightly tv guide by the way brought to you by white claw hard seltzer um as we have about a minute left in the show here i watched what was what was I about to say anchorman i watched anchorman for the first time like three months ago like i'd never seen it wow. before then and it was just like 1 a.m i was over at a friend's house and we're like you want to watch anchorman it's like i've never seen it like, all
0: right we're watching anchorman. Yeah. well you and that's just kind of
1: how that that's just kind of how that wrapped up
0: <laughs> What a movie. Second uh, one's really good, too, if you haven't seen that never yet. Seen, I have not seen the second one. You need to watch it. I have not it seen the second one. Nearly as funny. Mm.
1: But, Christian, man, it was good to have you back on the show. It's the first time you and I have ever done a show That's together. That's right.
4: Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, all three of us together. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we could do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, well, no, I, mean, I enjoyed you, it. You still live in the area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I just don't work here, but... Um, as far as you we know, when the window of time opens up and a seat opens, I'll be ha- more than happy to join. You're okay. Final thoughts: You're the Senior Bowl guy, who's the guy at Auburn right now that you can't wait to watch at the Senior Bowl this year? Oh, geez. Um, I don't know all the graduation stuff, but I mean, Derek Hall is kind of the obvious answer. Yeah. I mean, it, and he has elevated his game. He's been a bright spot, and um, I mean, Colby Wood, you'll you like to see that. But defensive line, I mean, there's a couple and. Outside of that, we'll see what Owen Papo, uh, what his future looks like. Not the, Like you said, the injury kind of kind of messed him up a little bit, but maybe a senior bowl would be something where he could really step up his game and get get back on the NFL radar. All right. Well, that will do it for this
1: edition of Sports Call. Christian, it was great to see you, man. Thank you for being here. Drew, thank you for being here as well. Of course. I have been Brant Daughtry. Thank you so very much from having, for having me. We will talk to you all on Monday.